Welcome to episode 522 of Conversation Street. I'm Gemma. I'm Michael. And today we're talking about episodes broadcast in the UK between the 9th and the 13th of May 2022. That's episodes 10,634 to 10,638. It is, it is. And this is our first proper episode of the podcast recorded in our new podcast room. Because if you missed our bonus podcast this week, first what you Jemis and our episodes. But um, yeah, we are, we are in our new room. We were decorating. We are talking about it this week. And we are in, aren't we? Yes, and you've made a mess. I've, I've made a bit of a mess. I've, I've been trying to like set up a fort of, of chairs and blankets to try and dampen the echoes that are in here and I still don't know whether it's working or not. I don't think I don't think the last episode we did the other day came out too echoey. Nobody's... You can hear it more I think you can hear it more when we're speaking than you can on the recording, but I don't know. I don't, nobody's told us yet anyway. Um please don't. Just just deal with it for now. We'll, we'll keep on seeing what we can do to try and make it better. We we're gonna put some pictures on the wall, aren't we, which you said will will help. Well, I mean, you don't hear these this kind of echo in other rooms, do you? No, so I, I guess that will do. But anyway, no, it's, it's it's fairly echoey for us. I don't know whether it's there for you, but yeah, we're in front of us. We've got a big, big stack of chairs with big fluffy um, blankets draped all over them, which is a pro tip if you're doing any recording. No, it isn't, because it doesn't work. <laughs> this is what we've been told, anyway. But anyway, um, hopefully it'll be okay today when we talk about this week's Coronation Street, which was quite good. I don't think we get anything else that's been going on this week, particularly, that we need to um, talk about before we get started, have we? So I reckon we'll just crack on with the quiz. So Gemma, I'll pass over to you. Things that happened between the 9th and the 13th of May in years ending in a 207, and I sourced the information from Coropedia, coronationstreet.fandom.com. 9th of May, 1962. The local authority claims there are too many Coronation Streets in the area and some of them have to go. How many? Well, how many, how many had to go or how many were there in the area? Well, tell me you both. <laughs> I don't know either of them. Um, I'm going to say, there can't be that many. Three. Three Coronation Streets is far too how many. how many have to go? Uh, two of them. Wrong. There, uh, are, there are Eight. Eight Coronation Streets. And they're going to get rid of seven of them. <laughs> what happened at the end of that? I can't well, remember. I can imagine that they didn't get rid of Coronation Street. I think, wasn't this the story? I can't remember. There was one I know earlier in the early days where Ina sees, um, like, there's a thing about Coronation Street being demolished, pinned up on a board in a community centre or something somewhere, and gets everyone thinking that it's going to be their Coronation Street. That's nuts. They weren't very um, creative with their street name. Well, they probably were like, the turn of the century, were they? Oh, we should get rid of seven of these eight Coronation Streets. And then someone went, look. Don't be so hasty. Who knows when the next coronation will be? And it, that, might be it might be soon. <laughs> yeah. No, they were like, we can't allow this to happen again. We need to get a queen that's going to stay on the throne for a good 70 years so that we can <laughs> stop this rampant flow of coronation streets. Although this coronation street, I can't remember which king was it. It wasn't that was, the queen. No, this was... Um, our this was, queen. No, this was not our queen it was named after, of course. It, it was, was no, it George was, or something. Yeah, well, it was, it was oh, coronation street... In, in fiction, in universe, it was built in 1902. So which was the one after Queen Victoria? I don't know. I, d- I don't remember. I I'd really, have to... I also... Have to kind of this might shock people. Don't care. What? <laughs> That's right. Uh, 10th of May, 1967. Train crash. Who gets stuck in the rubble? Ina Sharples does. Correct. Yes. I won't ask you who died. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you, you're going to try and I, guess, though. No, but I know who the mum was. The mum was that brilliant old woman who was yeah, what fantastic was at being sad. Um, exactly. Mrs. It's no good going, I saw an episode where that happens, because so did I. Right. 10th of May, 2002. Who torments Ken at school? Pardon? Say that again. 10th of May, 2002. Oh. Who torments Ken at school? Got to be Aidan Critchley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't a flashback episode. Yeah, 1942. 11th of May, 1987. Deirdre Barlow versus Alf Roberts in the council election. Who wins? <laughs> this is like really obvious trivia that you should get. Deirdre, uh, well, I know they've all been councillors at some point. Um, I'm going to say Deirdre wins that one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you'll like this one. Oh. 11th of May, 2012. Who is killed by a toaster? <laughs> what's the name? Leslie Kershaw. That's right. Oh, was that ten years ago this week? Yeah. Classic. Classic Sad. dirty, dirty cheese Do on toast. Do not clean your toasters with running water when they're plugged in. Oh, gosh, I thought that was amazing. We didn't know she was going to die. Like, she'll, she'll be fine. She'll get up. And she like, wasn't. Oh, I love no. that. Happy anniversary, dirty, dirty cheese on toast. Like, where our children are having a sad little wake and you're laughing. Okay, 12th of May, 1982. Marion and Eddie have their engagement party at the Rovers where two guests turn up who later have their own spin-off show. What is it called? The Brothers McGregor. Correct. Yes, you didn't know how to get that one, did you? Nope, I thought you'd go, oh, that's not fair. That's a, no, that is a hard question, but I know I know that one. 12th of May, 2002. Richard Hillman's ex-wife turns up to demand he buy her out of their joint business. What is her name? Patricia Hillman. Mm-hmm. 13th, mind of roll, May, mind 13th of May 2007. Chesney appears. This is the last question. That's, that's, oh, I haven't, I'm not, I've got a full house at the moment. I've no, got, got zero. Got <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. Chesney appears in a school production of what? Impressing Maria Kirk and Scylla. <laughs> the smile has fallen off her face. 2007, a school production. Chesney. Chesney. Scylla. What production? What produ- It's not the classic Bugsy Malone, is it? If you answer me in the form of a question... Bugsy Malone. That's right. Yes! Oh, hooray! Well done. That's pretty good. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of eight. You got one wrong. I got one wrong. Curses. You really, really should have got that one. Uh, birthdays, 14th of May, Bobby Bradshaw, who played Jake Windass. 15th of May, Jack Watson, who played Bill Gregory and director Julian Gerald. 16th of May, Roy Hard, who played Archie Shuttleworth. <gasps> Love him. Sean Ward, who played Callum Logan. 17th of May. What's the these days? <laughs> He's got himself in trouble again recently. Veronica Doran, who played Marion Yates. 19th of May. Madge Hindle, who played Reeny Roberts. Well Rob Mallard. Daniel Osborne III. 20th of May. Betty Driver, who played Betty Williams. Elizabeth Bradley, who played Maud Grimes. This and is a good Tina week. Hobley, who played Samantha Fails. This week for birthdays. Happy birthday to all those people. Right, we are going to get on with this week's Street Talk. Now, as we say, we're sitting, we're in our new room at the moment. We've got a sofa, haven't we? Lovely mustardy sofa against the blue wall. We're going to get some pictures and things done, but we need to finish it first, aren't we, this room? We're going to put some bits of lovely, tasteful Corrie art on the wall behind us, and it'll be like a good background for, for videos and things like this. But we need to, we need to 
buy it first and then save up for it. But when we do, it's going to be a horrific room and you'll be able to be able to see. So we're sitting around the sofa at the moment. Abby's just come to join us. She doesn't know what she to do. She won't be able to purr She's into not, the microphone. She is not so. at all going to be able to purr into the microphone. So sorry, Abby sorry, fans, fans out there. Yeah. She's, um, yeah, she's, she's, she's been, been retired, retired from this. So she's, she's just sitting next to me at the moment. But um, anyway, <laughs> let's go on with Street Talk. Okay, welcome to this week's Street Talk portion of the podcast. And we have got seven storyline titles for you out there this week. We are starting with, we called it a thorn in Aggie's side last week, but it's nothing to do with Aggie anymore. And I didn't want to just say Peter's side anymore. So I'm calling it the thorny devil because he is always oh, a, he's a good villain is Mr. Thorn, isn't he? We're both loving him this week. Do you love him viewers? Are you loving him, Gemma? Mm-hmm. Just checking, checking. Thorn and devil, brilliant. We have got the happy baby baby storyline next. And then I've got a new storyline title for the summer has got diabolemia storyline. You quite like this earlier we're calling it bulimian rhapsody so poetic i'm sure she would appreciate it fizz out is coming next and it's all about you know fizz moving out massive house a little bit jealous of that one um but she's so got room enormous she's got room for a podcasting studio and that probably comes with a podcasting that studio house is right like next to the swimming pool easily worth like nearly a million depending on where it is if it was around here it'd be like a million quid easy i know i know um right kirk at work how she did he get that that wankling little cow i know this is it's Phil. Isn't she's it? no better than she should be. Kirk at work is going to come mean? next. I don't even know what that means. What? She's no better than she should be. What does that mean? <laughs> it just means you're jealous, basically, and you're just well, throwing it's whatever easier. insult that sticks at her. It's easier than saying, why, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have got a little bit of the George Snorwell story at the beginning of the week and a return of everyone's favourite. Timpotency storyline today, which seemed to go nowhere, but we'll finish off the street talk section with that later. Now, Gemma, you wanted to talk about the thorny devil himself did first, it, yeah. didn't you? It wasn't that so much as I didn't want to talk about Twerin Imran because I'm so fuming I can't possibly. You managed to last, a, you know, manage a whole hour or so of ranting about that last week, didn't you? I took, I did, I just, I wrote about four tweets and then didn't send them today. Really? So Maybe like, when we get to that story, you can. No, tell I don't want to say anything. I'm sick and tired of it. <laughs> yeah. We've got some good feedback about the uh, the Toya and Abby storyline later in this episode, though, haven't we? We've got got both sides of the coin, but um, you have to wait and we've see got, for a little bit. You've got hours later. reasonable people and everyone else who is wrong. <laughs> yeah, <Adrian. laughs> no. Right, Gemma, Thorny Devil. Hey, what is there? Are going plenty on? of people who um, have differing opinions on the. On we the allow movie. them. We allow them. Unless it's an opinion. Don't even talk about it, because I'm, I'm really getting wound up, okay? <laughs> I really am. Right, um, Thorny Devil, Monday. Angie and Ed are in the cafe. They spend a lot of time in the cafe where she's not really listening to a word he says, which I feel resonates with me quite a lot. But so I just kind of noticed this week, and I know it really was not out of the ordinary at all, but the number of people that are in the cafe just happening to be in there this week. I, I'm sure that it wasn't a higher proportion than normal, but I was just... Maybe I was just half switching off to what they were saying, but I was thinking, why, why are they in there? Why are they all going to the cafe? Why can't they just have these conversations at home like normal people? Because they're going to sets more, Michael. Get over it. And they're also getting more extras too. There were quite a lot of yeah. busy extra background scenes that are very noticeable, especially on the outside of the, um, of the hospital, which I guess makes sense because if they're going to have a lot of extras having them outside is probably safer mm. never mind the outside the hospital extra i want to give a, a quick shout out to the outside the medical center extra who comes out to find kirk ranting about his unusual fungus or wherever it was and kind of shakes her head at him and walks off i missed a lot of fridays because i just saw nothing but red <laughs> right so that i to hear it aggie no 
Aggie and Ed are in the cafe and she's worried about reporting Mr. Thorne and Ed tells her that she did the right thing because last week she dubbed him in um, mm-hmm. for being naughty and got him suspended and he threatened to ruin her life. Yes, now last week's naughtiness was just about the record-breaking liver transplant, wasn't it? But it turns out bet. that he's been a bit more, yeah, yeah, for the bet. But um, yeah, it's not the only thing that he's been up to we find out this week. Peter goes to the shop for some whiskey. Dev goes nuts and says, you can't have it, you're a recovering alcoholic. And Carla comes in and says, oh, it's fine. There's some reason that I've asked him to buy it, which is like, this kind of reminds me, I remember when I was like in in middle school or first school, I can't remember. But my all my um, all my family used to smoke when I was a kid. And my granddad asked me to go to the shop to buy him cigarettes when I was like eight. <laughs> and I went and I was like, can I have... Can I have whatever it was? Benson and Hedges, please. No, like, no, you can't. You're a child. No, no, just. And I, my response to it was to collapse on the floor crying until my granddad came in and went, Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot you can't buy them for me. And so this kind of reminds me of like of what Carla did to Peter, like send the child in to go and get something that they're not allowed to buy. No, I think it's because Carla's so young and youthful looking. She's forever young, isn't she? And then you've got Peter who's got a big grey beard. Peter, you've got to go and buy it for me. They won't sell (laughs) it to me. Carla, you your can't buy this. You're, you're your 17. On. Wrap your blanket round you. Go in and get me a bottle of whiskey, says Carla. Can I have some whiskey, please? <laughs> but no, it's, it's it's for Mr. Thorne, isn't it? Oh, it's for Mr. Thorne. Yeah, Aggie's... because at this point, Peter doesn't know. Well, he's... I still think this is bad, because if I had a liver transplant, I wouldn't buy my surgeon the thing that get, got me in the situation... That I need. It's like going to get your. It's going to get a, like a bowel operation and buying a nice big steak. Like going to get a gastric band and buying him a big old box of chocolates. Afterwards. Or having like, or, or buying him a pack of cigarettes after, or a cigar after you've had a lung transplant. Yeah. Or there's lots of other things that you. Um, mm. Or how about buying him a box set of Coronation Street after you've had brain surgery? Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so it's for Mr. Thorne and Aggie is embarrassed because they turn up at the hospital with this and she's like, oh, sorry, I've got to tell you that he's not here. He's been suspended because he had a bet on you. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's like, goodness me. But he's glad that he's been shown the door. So um, they've got this kind of like liaison, like some kind of, I don't know, is he Hospital patient PR. liaison patient re- or relations, I don't know. some kind of guy who's like... Some sort of smoother over. He's like the buffer for all the ill feeling. And um, he's sort of... But he didn't have anything to do during the pandemic, did he? When everyone was clapping the NHS. I know, I bet he's thinking to himself, where were you on Thursday? He he was the genius behind that um, that whole campaign of clap the NHS, just so he could put his feet up for a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, Peter's ranting at him. um, And the guy's like, yeah, sorry about this. Also, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Thorne took a selfie of, of himself, obviously. Holding your li- liver, um, saying anyone for foie gras. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, like, of all the villainous foods to eat, it's the, the most evil thing. He might as well have been wearing a first stole at the same time. So, um, yeah, he took this photo and uh, they're going to launch a full investigation. And Peter's I love just... That he, he didn't he say like he shared it on his social media or something? Like, he was kind of asking for this, if he shared it around. I thought he'd just send it to his colleague. Still asking for it, really. I but mean... like, really, honestly, I have to kind of think, if I was, I don't know, probably would be quite violated, but also I think it's kind of funny. 
<laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, I actually could, would quite go for that, actually, at the moment. Um, can you eat it? Can you eat your own liver? Is it ethical? I think that's the most ethical foie gras that's ever been created. <laughs> there might be, a, there might even be a market for it. If, it's like um, if Daniel took a selfie of himself, like, shoving one of his kids up the chimney to go and give it a sweep, isn't it? Anyone for failing your GCSEs? <laughs> so, um... Peter's a bit worried because now he's like thinking, what if what if my transplant didn't actually work because he was just being incompetent? Uh, you know, can I trust anything he ever said to me? Um, and he's getting really worked up and he doesn't want to go through it, all of it again. And then the bloke comes back and he said another consultant's checked his results and he was absolutely fine and the surgery went yeah, well. Yeah, because they demanded a second opinion, didn't they? Well, I mean, what's... Was it? The second opinion came back first of all going, that's not foie gras. And they're like, no, we aren't asking <laughs> you about that. um so aggie meets up with them outside the hospital later and they're just like freaking out and she says look i know he's an asshole but he's actually a really good surgeon so he hasn't he hasn't sort of like done it wrong he just not very nice when he did it um haven't you seen house that's the sort of thing he would do and he's quirky and fun now wasn't this based on well i don't know whether it was based on it there was a similar story in the press recently where a guy Put his initials in somebody's liver or something. He lasered his initials onto someone's liver, which is a, a bit worse. I don't know, because I feel like if your liver's a bit sad and you sort of laser beam it, <laughs> isn't it like kicking a dog when it's down? I wonder if they have, like, you know, in, like in Japan where they, you know where they, like, carve or, or paint these beautiful pictures onto a grain of rice? Do you think they can make, like, beautiful, beautiful uh, woodcuts kind of stuff on somebody's liver? I don't know. I hope cherry not... blossom scene or something. I wouldn't really want them to work too hard on that at the moment. There's other things to do. <laughs> um, well. You lost. Uh, he, well, he, he's like an arsehole, yes. Peter sees Thorne in the car park later. He's like, can't stop getting into my really expensive car, which... Which is a very handy... Maybe um, belongs to another member of the cast. <laughs> right next to the front door. This was when we got to see um, the work that's going on on the new tour extension, isn't it? Yeah. So if, if you if you watch this scene, which I, I guess you did, and you see in the background there's a load of scaffolding and stuff up, so that is the new visitor centre that was being built. And th- this scene must have been filmed, like, you know, within a week of us going there last time. So what, what you saw there was pretty much how it was when we went and yeah all that that's where you're going to be able to go in to see the inside sets they'll have the like the rovers cafe there that's open all the time there's going to be a conference room and everything supposedly opening at some point in the next few months although it still hasn't officially been announced yet but yeah watch this space in any future hospital scenes because that particular area is soon to be filled with coronation street goodness bit of behind the scenes trivia for you there and if you pan to the right slightly you'll see halal northwest exactly yeah <laughs> Um, so he demands an apology from Mr. Thorne and he's like, no, not, um, it's just a vendetta. It was all a lie. There was no bet. Peter doesn't believe him. And Carla's like just dragging him away. Back at number one, he's completely livid and he, he's just ruminating on this. And Carla's trying to talk to him, talk him down. And he's like, and she's saying to him, look, he's, you've got years ahead of you because of this operation. Why don't we go to the seaside? 
That was, I was hoping for a nice little seaside trip maybe out of this, but even Ken's sitting on this chair there getting a bit excited about it. I think Nobody Peter's forgotten about it by the end of the week, haven't they? Well, they can't go to Rory's Beach, because that's Rory's Beach. <laughs> they also don't have weekends in Weatherfield, do they? So they can promise whatever they want. Yeah, we'll get that done at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's what you say to me. Um, so, uh, P- Peter's like, fine, yeah. But then he starts going and reading up about Thorn on his posh public schoolboy upbringing and all the special societies he's in. He's getting himself completely riled up. Like, he's just noticed there's a class system in this country where posh people hang out with other posh people and do posh people things. Ken's like, I've been saying this for years, Peter. I know, I thought I'd be quite offended if I was Ken. I'd be like, look, ban the bomb, man. I was saying this in the 60s. Nobody listened to me then. Why should anybody listen to you now? And he's like, I'm going to do something about it. As though you know, generations of working class people were just fine with it the whole time. (laughs) Um, Ken goes to the factory to tell Carla that Peter's gone missing. And it turns out that he has gone to Chariot Square, which I think isn't Chariot Square, but it's just a random restaurant. No, I thought it was, it surely was supposed to be Chariot Square. Well, it's a restaurant. He he definitely says it's a restaurant. Oh, well, I don't know. They didn't do a good good job at hiding it. I, I didn't catch how Peter knew that he was there. I completely missed that. Well, he obviously, he did his research and he found out that he is, like, maybe, maybe Mr. Thorne's, like, off to, off to, uh, uh, Weatherfield Bistro Extravaganza Foie Gras evening. (laughs) Maybe. Suddenly fancied it for some reason. Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe peckish. Oh, have a nice bit of liver. Oh, some brioche. Um, so he goes, uh, he says... So, Mr. Thorne's there. He's having his dinner with a friend of his. And and Peter's like, oh, did you hear about this? Oh, blah, blah, blah. And, and, the, and the guy was like, yeah, it was just a joke. <laughs> Calm down. We, we all do it. We all do. We all thought it's hilarious. And Peter was absolutely furious. He won't back down. I, I did a kidney transplant the other day and I put them next to my ears like a pair of danglers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, bet Lynch has returned. Put that on Instagram. <laughs> That's terrible. Sorry. I can't believe you said that. Thank goodness I'm not a medical professional. I'm not even first aid trained, so it's fine. Oh, that's all right. (laughs) I don't want to take responsibility for anybody. I even put a plaster on a kid. No. Um, So, uh, Peter's working himself up and he ends up punching Thorn in the face, which is quite satisfying. That was amazing. And then right on... Oh, man, doesn't he deserve it? Isn't... We'll go and, I'm sure we'll go into it more later, but Thorne is like the best villain that Coronation Street has had for a very long time, which is quite impressive considering how little he's been in the show. But that punch he's was perfect. so well deserved. He just goes flying backwards off his chair, doesn't he? He's such a smug, self-satisfied, absolute dick, isn't he? Really, really is mm. just smug and annoying. I'm just trying to look what the guy's name is because he really deserves... All the all the pace because I just honestly it feels like they've just got an asshole surgeon in, <laughs> not an asshole surgeon. Although he does do that. He does, yeah, he does. <laughs> Can I find his name? I'll quickly? find it. You, you carry on. So um you? so yeah, the, the police right on cue walk in and drag Peter off where he where he belongs in jail with all the other plebs. Um, so then they they interview him and Peter says, "Listen, I'm the victim, not him." <laughs> said my liver was foie gras and the cop says well I'm really sorry but you did punch him in the face and um, I'm going to have to charge you with assault so Mark has just found I found his name for you Um, Dominic Maffam very good keep him he is wonderful I don't think they're going to I don't think he's much cool for a surgeon on Coronation Street what do you mean they're always getting into mishaps see this is this is where I kind of show my allegiances because 
when sometimes they get annoyed at like middle like sort of lower middle or middle class people about being middle class and hoity-toity i get all defensive about it or when they start saying you moaning about southerners and being posh and everything i get really defensive but when it's like a surgeon i'm like yeah eat the rich (laughs) (laughs) throw throw him in prison you'll be talking on the other side of your face or whatever the phrase is when you need surgery no i won't i'll be talking on the other side of my face when i marry a surgeon (laughs) yes so, um, Wednesday, Carlos, or you could become a headmaster, or what's higher than a headmaster? Um, Minister for Education. <laughs> yeah, that's just the next step on the ladder for It me. is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a career progression. Everyone has to pop at it. Right, Wednesday, Carlos not impressed with Peter after his antics yesterday. He, he is not very optimistic, has <laughs> chances. And Carlos says, right, you've made this now so that you're the one in trouble and not Thorne, when actually he's the one who's done something wrong. Um... You're going to go to prison. And Peter says, I just wanted to stand up to him. And Carla says, I think you should apologise. So Carla decides to take it on herself to confront Thorne in the car park and talk him down. But he's not interested. So she calls him arrogant. And he says, look, I show the same standard of care to all my patients, even former alcoholics. And she begs him to drop the charges. And he says, look, you're very charming. Why don't we discuss it over dinner? And Carla's like, no way. And he says, well... Um, why don't we exchange numbers? And he's so persuasive. He just makes her... For some reason, she gives him the, her blooming number. I'd be like, no. I don't understand why she gave him the number apart from to progress the plot. So he says, I'll think about it and I'll call you when I've decided. Yeah, I think, it's like, I think she she just gives him his number so that she gives it, she he gives can him. tell her if he's changed his mind about well, pressing charges against Peter. Absolute bollocks, isn't it? Um... He, he, yeah, so she goes back to number one and tells Ken about what happened and says that he made a pass at her and Ken's like, he did what? It's, oh, nice one. Didn't, didn't need the he did in there. No. Ken says it's blackmail and they shouldn't trust him. Meanwhile, Peter's in the bistro telling Leanne what happened when Thorne comes in and says, look, I'm here to call a truce. You call off my dogs. I'll call, you call off, hang on. Well, my dogs are your dogs. Let's call them off. So as is, is he calling Carla a dog there? That's what I don't know. I loved um, his kind of looking down his nose at the bistro as if this was just a place a for the hole. plebs who yep. think they're better than they actually are. Even though he did go there later that day. For his to rub everyone's nose in it. Yeah. He's the sort of guy who'd go somewhere ironically, you know. <laughs> Peter um, thinks that Thorne's got more to lose than he does, even though they're at a sort of a stalemate. And Thorne says... Um, you should tell the hospital that I am that you're thinking of uh, dropping your record of complaint, and then maybe you could also write me a letter of recommendation. Like this guy just has no limits, does he? He's mm. shameless because he's so used to getting what he wants. That's it, exactly. And I know I know people like this who are so they don't even realise they're being entitled, but they're so used to everybody bending to their will and whim. That they just, like, the thought of them... The thought that they're being cheeky doesn't even cross their mind because they just expect you to do. Mm. And this is by no means just relegated to upper middle class people because my nan used to do it and she's working class as they come. But just this set, this is idea of entitlement and, like, you can get what you want if you just kind of... Like, people, you can charm them. Yeah. It's just really obnoxious when it's a rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter says, no way, I'm not going to let you get away with this and I'm not going to let you risk the lives of any other patients. And Thorne says, let's... How about this? What about if I retire early? Dun, dun, dun. 
Back at home, Peter tells Carla about Thorne's offer, which he's accepted, and Carla's pleased. And then she's like, oh, I've got to go. Leaves her phone on the table, and then a text message comes through, coincidentally, and Peter, coincidentally, picks it up and reads. The message says, charges have been dropped. Now, how about that dinner? Yeah, Carla didn't have a lock on her phone there. Oh, did she? Or maybe she did, and maybe Peter's got his, his face... So Carla comes back for her phone and walks right into an argument with Peter. He's like, why is this on here? What do you know? Why do you have why does he have your number? Why do you want to have dinner with him? Ken has to come to diffuse things, backing up Carla's story, because they already had this conversation about him propositioning propositioning her. Carla's come down a little bit later and Ken says, Look, just make sure that he doesn't pull out of this deal. Then Peter gets a phone call from the police saying the charges have been dropped against him, but now he's got to decide whether he's going to stick to his bargain, his side of the bargain. So he does. He decides to go to the hospital. He withdraws his complaint. But while he's there, he sees Mr. Thorne and he's walking out with a box of files in a plant. Last Clearly scene, just borrowed from Nicky. Last scene being held by Nicky, who had almost exactly the same thing. When was this? Like three weeks ago? So when you've been a TA, TA yeah. for like three days, if that. you accumulate the exact same amount of stuff as you do when you've been a surgeon yeah. for 40 years. <laughs> so funny. I think they're just. Um, yeah. It's just. It's just like the the ultimate like symbol of I'm I'm leaving somewhere, isn't it? Mm. A box with a plant in it. Yeah. They act like civil to each other in front of the PR guy, but um, Peter says to him that Carla says thanks, but no thanks. Wild horses couldn't drag her to him, so they go back home. Carla and Ken are chuffed. It's all over. They agree to go out to the bistro, but just Carla and. Peter, they don't invite Ken. By pure coincidence, who should turn up but an obnoxious gaggle of arseholes, Thorne and his mates, for a retirement party, which was very quickly and impromptuly um, thrown, wasn't well, the, it? The whole thing was very quickly done. I mean, I know we find out later that um, Thorne was going to be retiring anyway, but it's still... Is it? Is it? It's either a massive coincidence that this the whole thing blows up on the day that he was. No, he wasn't because he was going to retire later, wasn't he? It turns out because yeah. he was supposed to be doing this talk this summer. So the whole arrangement of the retirements happened incredibly quickly. I don't think that it worked like this. It's a bit like emigration from Coronation Street, isn't it? You think about it one day, and by bedtime you're already halfway across the world. Brilliant. And then yeah, then he's able to arrange this. Uh, the, this retirement party at the bistro within within hours and a bunch fact. of obnoxious friends of his all turn up with their red trousers on and Thorne um, Peter's glowering and Carla's saying look we should just go and Peter's like no I'm not I, leaving I loved the look that Thorne gave to Peter when he walks in because he, he kind of walks in with his mates and he just looks over sees Peter in the bar and he just he just lives looks he just visits, he he's just kind of a oh, kind of look like, oh, what are you doing here sort of thing what, Thorn to Peter? Yeah. What, as if it's like a high-class joint? Sorry, Leanne. No, it's just like a not-you-again not sort of thing. It was just a brilliant sneer. Very dismissive yeah. kind of guy, isn't he? So Thorn stands up to make a speech, and um, at, accidentally, this is when Peter goes to the toilet, he walks past him just as Thorn... <laughs> makes it sound like he's wet himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one, I, like, one oh. orange juice too many. Sorry, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like. So, um... Carla, Carla, wash me pants! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Peter's walking past him as he says, 
I'm so I'm so pleased that I'm gonna move to my new job, which is to be professor of hepatology in Philadelphia. That's liver work. Sh- I th- I thought it was Florida. No, I thought it was Phil- no. He said Philadelphia, America. Going Pretty to sure it's going Philly. to America. Mm. Why why would you retire to America? That just seems crazy to me. <laughs> if I no way, I'd I'd come. I'd live in America and retire here because you get free healthcare. The older you get, the more you need. Medical stuff. Do they have Philadelphia cheese in Philadelphia? Because he can like go there and he has his Philadelphia bagels and he has his foie gras bagels and that's his breakfast every morning. They're not famous for bagels. Well, what else did you have Philadelphia cheese on? I don't know, but they're famous for Philly cheesesteaks and the Liberty Bell. Oh, there you go. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Perfect. <laughs> so a bit of a Peter's world away like, from Weatherfield, basically. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit different from Eccles cakes and... <laughs> I don't know, liver disease. <laughs> um, Peter hears this and he's like, what? I can't believe you're getting a new job straight away. And Thorne's like, actually, I was headhunted a few months ago and um, now I've got this opportunity to leave. I thought I'd take it. And Peter's incensed because he's basically just kind of delivered Thorne this golden opportunity um, to get out of stuff and get something out of it at the same time. Carla has to stop him from laying him out again. <laughs> Peter's like... You're going to pay for this, Thorne. You'll live to regret this. On Friday, Peter is annoyed because he's made a list of all of Thorne's private member clubs and Tracy's thrown it out. And his grand plan was he was going to go go to all of them and find Mr Thorne and drag him into the car park and beat him up. Do you think Mr Thorne's a mason? No. Oh. There are far more exclusive clubs to be in. No, no the offense. square dealers. No offense. He can't. I, no, he can't be a square dealer, can he? Because that was just for small business owners. He probably has his own small business, like clipping <laughs> Chihuahua's toenails or something. Maybe he just sells little bits of human liver. He just snips off oh, a little bit. A tiny bit of human fogger. Yeah. How much did you get for that? Oh, quite a lot. It depends on who you're selling it to. Yeah. So. Um, Things have gone down the pan since Elliot's folded. Oh. Tracy's like, this is crazy. You don't want to get arrested. And he says, look, I need your advice. And she's like, except that Thorne has won. You need... And then actually she says, you need to hit him where it hurts. Yeah, she or she kind of changes her mind, doesn't she? First she says, look, just forget about it. We need to move on. And then she says, hang on a minute, I've got an idea. By Jove. I think I've come up with just a ticket. Yeah, she says, well, what's really important to him is his appearance. So this is what we need to go for. Uh, so, Peter gets on the phone to someone later, and then we see Thorne smarming his way up to Peter on Rosamond Street later, because his mate at the Gazette has just told him, his the editor, who he has drinks with, who I guess is not the lady that tried to seduce... Presumably. Daniel. Women can play golf. Um, Alma came in as a golf um, mate of Mike's. I was I was more thinking that I don't think that Thorne is the sort of guy who really makes friends with women without oh, yeah. trying to shag him. Yeah, I know you're right, actually. So um, he says, my mate at the Gazette stopped one of his reporters. Mm. That was a bit of a tip as well. Writing... I, I, that might have just been me assuming. Writing something that uh, an alcoholic taxi driver has given them. And Peter's like, I'll get my revenge! So he speaks to Aggie later about what's happened and Aggie says, I just don't care about this anymore. I don't didn't want to get involved in this. I'm not getting dirt on him. It's all confidential. I can't help you. Then she talks with Ed in the cafe and she says, I don't want to get involved and get risk, risk getting fired. And he tells her that sometimes you need to do the right thing, which is not what I would say. Occasionally. Coming up to a, a like one of the worst 
cost of living crises that we've seen in a long time in this country when I'd be like, you know what, you know your income, that's quite stable because you work for the NHS. Nah, who cares? <laughs> you know how we've got two adult sons and a child to support Just as well as ourselves? think about your principles, Abby. Aggie, sorry. I think you should think about what's morally correct in this situation and screw over somebody that you work with. So, um, Peter's muttering to himself in Victoria Gardens later. So she comes up to him and says, I've had a think and I've decided to help you. And I've made some phone calls. And she gives him a piece of paper and he looks at it and he smiles. And it looks like she gave him Trisha's details. Now, Trisha... Not Trisha the morning talk show host. <laughs> my doctor took a photo of my liver in surgery. Cue the, cue the audience. Ooh! Yeah. I'm going to confront him. Yeah! Go, Trisha! Um, no. It's Trisha, the nurse. He was... Had Aggie's worked, nurse friend. Had worked with him for a lot longer than Aggie had and obviously knows all of his dirty secrets. So she go, he goes to meet up with her and she's happy to talk to him because Thorne can't get away with this. And I don't really know what's changed since she was fangirling over him doing a talk. Well, I know that's what I thought. She seems like she's to be going him. back and forth a bit, hasn't she? Whether she's she likes surely seen all of, her, all of his bad sides. And if she had any information before now, she certainly didn't seem that bothered about it until this week. No. She's been colluding with him the whole time. I think I think she's just recognised that he's been a massive ass, but not done anything about it. Thought it's not it's not worth the aggro. But now maybe because Aggie's come in and started stirred things a little bit, she's been a bit emboldened. You mean Aggie Aggro Bailey? Yeah. So um. He meets up with Adam in the pub later, does Peter, and tells him he's got a lot of evidence about Thorne. What was going on with Adam's hair tonight, everybody? He's turning into Simon Barlow. I don't know what he's doing. He needs a haircut. Somebody tell him. I think if I was a man, I'd grow my hair as long as I could. While you're still good. Yeah. Um, Adam says, "I'm. If you if you're sure, we'll go ahead with this." And Peter's like, "Yep, I've got him where I want him." And that's where we left it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the presumable takedown of Thorn there. Well, I'm partly looking forward to it and I'm partly not because I'm loving this storyline so much. I don't want it to be over yet, but I don't know how they can string it out for that much longer. You know, it felt like the climax is just on its way. Did you get that feeling? I know, but I've been feeling this the whole way through. I'm like, oh, now he's now he's finished. Now he's through. Because it's, it's only been like, what, a two weeks storyline so far? I think it was only maybe two weeks today that we even met. Thorn for the first time. He's so He's great. made such a brilliant impression. Honestly, what a fantastic presence that actor has. But he, 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 he so has. The, whoever cast him, mwah, perfect job. He is really good. just brilliant. But he... I, I need, the, I need <laughs> them to find a way of keeping him. What a backhanded compliment it must be if you're an actor to have somebody go, you are an absolute asshole you're such an annoying prick i think you're perfect i hate you so much i just wish you were dead i can't remember what people said he was also on but apparently he played a similarly yeah. sort of smarmy character which slime makes you wonder in something else <laughs> is he really like that in real life but imagine if i had this kind of gift that he obviously has i think i would use it for evil too would you? What, yeah, have you like, what are you talking about the actor here? You had the, the gift actor, of being I had the gift of like being quite smarmy and charmy well you know What's the word? Intimidating and and um, officious or whatever it is. You know, mm. you I'd use my I'd use my your gravitas. Yes, I'd use my gravitas <laughs> to get foie gras. <laughs> <laughs> I I do. I do you think there could be any possibility of him because this this no. is 
I've got a, I've got a feeling and a maybe a hope that this could be one of those times that he's brought in for a little story, goes away, and then maybe four or five months down the line comes back and becomes a long-term villain. That's what I'd love for Thorne, because that's what happened for Phelan, wasn't it? And I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of gravitas vibes like I did for Phelan. And he was in it for, what, two, three months in his first stint? Six months later, he's got Owen and Gary doing his skivvy work for him. I, would, I wonder whether, like, Thorne's going to get struck off next week or something, and then six months' time, maybe he's a down-and-out or something, or he's got some kind of long-term revenge plan. Or maybe he... I don't You know, he, he could... He, he could end up working on the street, don't you think? Could um, that be you know, possible? I can see what you're saying, but I think, very much like Dr Gaddis, I think that they just seem like too much like real people to be characters. And I've wondered why I thought this about both those. And I think Coronation Street's pretty good at um, sort of casting medical professionals in particular. And why is that? And then I just realised, I think it is because when you are, and if you work in the medical profession, you can let me know if this is true or not. When you work in the medical profession, you kind of put on a persona, don't you? That you present to your patients. That is sort of like, I am acting, I am the doctor. And you're not like that in your everyday life all the time, are you? Mm. I don't think so. I think some people are and a lot of people aren't. But you definitely would have a public-facing kind of personality. And so, because he's so remote in that sense, I just don't feel like he's a real... A real person. He's, he's, like, he's not yet, but because, I really think you know, he if could you're do. A, if, you're a, if you're a medical professional, you don't act like you do to your patients when you're at home with your family, do you? Oh, I don't know. But let's he's let's like, bring in his family and find out. He's got this kind of persona all the way through. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I think that if I was working at Coronation Street at the moment, if I was one of the people who was pulling the strings, I might be thinking, hang on a minute, he's made a bit of a splash, because we're not the only ones that have been raving about Everybody him. Everybody loves him. I mean, we, you put out a tweet on Monday night, didn't you, about yeah. saying, congratulations, Mr. What's-His-Face, the actor. <laughs> I can't forgotten again. And uh, that, that got loads of likes. Everybody loves Thorne. Dominic and I think Maffin it's, or it, Maffin. The whole storyline, to me, feels really refreshing, because it's like yeah. not linked to anything... Oh, no, it's linked to the liver storyline from last year, but it, it feels new, it's not linked yeah, to yeah. The, uh, any long-term storyline. It feels different. There's a Bailey as one of the main characters in there, and that's unique, I'll tell you that. Um, and it, I, it doesn't right, feel yeah. massively high stakes, even no, though it is. Well, it's but not it, really. it's, it's, it's not really. it's not ridiculous, um, overblown soapy soap drama, and is the, it? It's, the other thing also is that it's based on something that's happened in real life, but it's not like oh, no, it's if not an you've exact had coffee. your liver. Oh, yeah, if you've had your liver tattooed, then phone this number. I mean, no, I know, like I said before, you know, I think we've all had. Well, look, if you haven't been unfortunate enough to spend a lot of time in hospital, you might have had an experience where you felt that somebody wasn't very professional with you. But it's certainly like like a widespread problem. Thank goodness. Mm. It's also a medical storyline without it being depressing. Who's ill now? Who's yeah. going to die? Who, if they, you know, if they do such and such, they could be on their last legs. So it's a yeah, really, yeah. it's a, just a really fresh take on it. And it's the sort of thing that I'd like to see Curry maybe experiment with a little bit more. But yeah, really, really great idea. And um, I, I just hope it's not over soon. Um, even um, we, we haven't really talked about the Carla stuff as well. And that, that indecent proposal. Do you think he was actually interested <laughs> in Carla? Do you think he thought he had a chance with her? I don't think that. I think just... it looks like he's missed the boat now. I don't think that she's going to, you know, be charmed by him. I certainly hope not. I think that make me um, not think so highly of her. 
But um, yeah, do you think that was just another case of I'm used to getting whatever woman I want and if I invite her to lunch, of course she'll come? I just don't think he really has... I think to treat people the way he does, he obviously thinks that he's of a higher existence, you know? Mm. So he probably doesn't really think about what other people what their thoughts are about anything so he probably just thinks yeah whatever I, I'm rich she's poor of course she'd go for it well she's good looking she's I, not I suppose she is a lot poorer than she used to be isn't she but she's still well turned out I think that he's he's very much her type though I know because because she's I, I got you know Tony Gordon Frank Foster vibes off of him uh, so that's and that's obviously the sort of person that Carla has gone for in the past but I think as well when he was asking you know can I take you out to dinner and everything she she alarm bells rung and I think that probably she was remembering the uh, the past cocky confident slime balls that she's been out on dates with and and you know and has been raped by in the past as well so um but it, it, maybe that could have been mentioned in the script i don't know that's just kind of where i went for it but um yeah it it, is, it, it was all um very very well done um what did you think what what are you thinking about um about the offer like was was peter it, was he right to accept his offer at first about dropping it? And was he then right to go back on it and everything? Well, no, I mean, this is all silly, isn't it? Because he only had to take the offer because he punched him in the first place. So mm. just all silly nonsense, really. But so yeah, very soapy, silly nonsense. Yeah. It was also the other thing I found interesting about this story is how the, the, um, the main character shifted. This was 100% an Aggie storyline last right. week, wasn't it? And now it is Peter. What did you think about um, about that, the the, the shift in, in well, protagonist? It, it worked really well, didn't it? It and seemed it, pretty smooth. Yeah, it was very smooth. And it, as it's... smooth as liver, liver foie gras, Peter's foie gras. <laughs> Do you think he's a goose or a duck? <laughs> is, he, is he an Ardennes or a Brussels? <laughs> no, because they're, they're like, um, that's coarse or smooth, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, just... have coarse foie gras pate, you well, bleb. Well, fact, Peter's um, old liver would have given him a bit of a few lumps in it. Where he'd mistreated that over the years. No, I'm going to got... have to sit you down and tell you about foie I, gras. I, I, don't, I don't know how it works. No, you're right. No, I, no you don't. I am no culinary expert here. I was quite pleased with myself. I was just able to name two types of, of pate off the cuff. Um, no. Chicken liver or... <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was... I, it's... I was a little bit disappointed when it went to Peter because I thought, oh, it's an Aggie storyline. And I, I think I, I, I do like Aggie. She's the, she's the best Bailey by far. And it was a shame. She was literally dropped, wasn't she, for two episodes this week. And she came back into a little bit on Friday. Maybe now as the conclusion to the story or the next step of the story, we're going to have Peter and Aggie working together, which is what we need. We want to have more of the Baileys integrating with the rest of the street. Um... But yeah, where it went this week, she wasn't particularly needed. And it'd just be a bit of a shame if she was just the launch pad for another Peter story. Although, to be fair, Peter and Carla have been very, very quiet ever since they got married last year, haven't they? Mm -hmm. So, um... Yeah, they've been very notable by their absence. And it's, uh, I know a lot of people will be very happy to see them back. Yeah, and Chris, Chris Gascoigne is such a great actor. He's so underappreciated, I think. When you think of you know, the best actors, actresses on Coronation Street. I think people don't ever particularly mention Chris Gascoigne because you don't notice. And, and, mm. and that's that's a talent in itself. You, you're such a, a natural at it yeah. that people don't go, oh, yeah, I tell you who's good on Coronation Street, that Chris Gascoigne. He just... He just um, 
It helps you don't get and lots of crying. Yeah, it does. Well, yeah, anyway, they had his fair share of, of woes last uh, last year. No, he just uh, lives Peter Barlow, and he is Peter Barlow for me. And when I see him on on screen, I don't think that's Chris Gascoigne unless maybe he's wearing his glasses. <laughs> but um, no, he's he's superb. So I'm um, I'm hoping that we are going to see a lot more of him this year. Still, I still I still don't love Carla as much as I used to. But maybe this could be the the storyline that gets her back in my good books again. Um, on the subject of Peter, there was a a small proportion of the, the social media um, Twitterers that were saying that Peter was being a bit whiny and entitled, weren't they, about his, um, you know, about the class system thing and saying, oh. how dare he? <laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't know. Did you, did, you, did you think that was being a bit harsh on Peter? I, a lot of people were sort of saying, oh, you know, you should be grateful that you had your operation and... Um, uh, he only know, took I'd a photo glad. with your liver. Yeah, it's not that bad. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it could have been worse. Um, you, you're very vulnerable when you're going through something like that. And I think the violation that you would feel to know that somebody had used you and your body in such a way would be very shocking and you would freak out. I so think... I totally understand why he's so upset. I think some people would still be would still say, "Well, yeah, some I'm, people I'm definitely fine. would like easy come, easy go, so, you know, do what you want. You can be. kick it around the operating theatre if you want, as long as you put it back in the right way around afterwards, and I'm okay." I think when when he was saying, I know, but how oh, many of those people actually are in a position to yeah, say, yeah, exactly, that, that is how I genuinely feel, having had the experience. Like if if you if you you know if you ha- did have an operation and somebody. You know, who knows how many pictures have been sent or how many how many times that was shared. Mm. I, I'd really love to for next week for his grand unveiling to be a massive um, scandal where he just does it with everyone. He's got a little photo album maybe of all, this, all of his patients' livers or something and it all gets hung outside the hospital or something. I don't know. I, I'm lo- very much looking forward to his downfall because that's the one good thing about these arrogant, smarmy villains that just make your skin crawl when they get their comeuppance. It's like, ooh, all the sweeter. Satisfying, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really, really is. You can so. certainly not begrudge somebody having a dark sense of humour about their job because... Oh, I'm everybody does weird. it. Everybody does it. Says um, or does something unprofessional when they think that they're... You know, especially if it's a, a maybe like a high stress job or something, and you just say these things to well, blow off a bit of steam or something. You know, they are only human beings, and they are literally holding people's lives in their hands. And I can't imagine what toll that takes on you as a person. Mm. Does it create monsters and and saints from people? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. is there kind of like a little kind of a grit, a piece of grit in there? that gets shined into a pearl for some people yeah. and into, I don't know, a carbuncle for others. I don't <laughs> Hannibal know. Lecter. What, so. you can turn into a pearl or Hannibal Lecter yeah. inside of a clam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clamable Lecter. You open it up. Hello, <laughs> I'm making clam movements with my, with my hands here for the benefit of uh, listeners. Can I have some Chianti and foie gras? <laughs> 
imagine that Gemma's doing it. <laughs> right, should we talk about um, everybody's favourite storyline that is not in any way controversial, the Happy Babby Baby <laughs> one? So, um, Monday starts... Whatever, I'm over it, I don't care. Nina going to visit Abby <laughs> in her flat, and uh, she's still finding it a little difficult to accept the situation that she's found herself in, i.e. Um, being a sad single mother with Imran and Toya snatching her baby away to live in the uh, opulence of Victoria Street. So Nina says, look, why don't, why don't, I'll, let's get you out there. Let's get take you for an ice cream and a walk. Sounds good to me. Um, it's quite unseasonably warm at the moment. Um, where shall we go for a walk? There are so many places. You can walk down by the Weatherfield Canals, maybe. Walk through the Red Wreck. No, let's walk on Coronation Street, says Abby, where we definitely won't run into Imran and so Toya pushing the baby around in their pram. I just want to say one thing, right? Do you remember, I keep bringing this up, when Abby was walking around and following Kelly, mm. I remember saying, of all the places that Kelly could go, why is she at, why is she hanging around Coronation Street where Abby can see her and riling her up? Yeah, and it's just the same again, doesn't it? She's like, she's just a glutton for punishment. I mean, partly, maybe Abby was kind of hoping to see Alfie because she is her son so. after really all or, or maybe so. she was just spoiling for a rumble and she wanted to no. you know drop her ice cream on the floor and say right let's go you don't believe in a genuine soap coincidence <laughs> surely it could never happen so yeah they um, when she gets to the street Dev's there cooing over Alfie in his pram and then she's yeah, she drops her ice cream on the street and she's like I can't do this and you, you said on she said this one on Twitter that, that just goes to prove how unstable a person Abby really what, is. She, I, you she told let me her to vanilla tweet ice it. cream drop you on said, the floor. You said she dropped her ice cream on the floor. Imagine if it had been a baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If she'd have been out carrying Alfie and she'd seen something she didn't like, yeah, just drop, drop him, him, crack him on the cobbles. Goodbye, Alfie. So later on, we yeah we had a bit of Kelly on Monday, didn't we? She finds Abby having a bit of a sit in the memorial garden, and Abby tells her about the money thing. Um, she says how how it felt like when Seb was being what the money thing um, about oh. about being about this um, magical guardian angel Seb giving Elliot some money so that he can defend her now. And didn't uh, she start talking about God this week? Was no, it I her? Think so. Somebody definitely started talking about God. I missed that. I completely missed that. Or was it last that. week? In a, in a sort of like, very matter of fact, I believe this is true, which I caught, it caught me off guard a little bit because Coronation Street characters almost never talk about Emily Bishop says of... hi. No, I'm not talking about <laughs> no, a Christian know. sort of, uh, that is definitely different to sort of say, I think God did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I, I completely missed that. I don't know. But anyway, she said that, Al, that, that Seb was a guardian angel looking over at her, dropping money out of the sky and says... Kelly says, no, it was me. Wow, Whenever, who'd have thought that one, eh? I, I think all of us have, who've lost somebody have sort of had an image of, like, comforting image of our beloved ones watching us from, like, a cloud going, well done. But then I just imagine, like, go pop into the loo and they're like, oh, my God, oh, 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 God, oh, my God, what did she eat? Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus, can you come and turn this off, please? I'm not sure how to do it. Um, so, anyway, um, Kelly says, I, I am your generous benefactor. I just wanted to put my money to good use. So this was the, uh, the money that very handily was found underneath Rick Nealon's floor a couple of weeks ago and Abby then starts banging on about Alfie a little bit more sorry I mean um expressing her grief over the loss of her son Kelly says look I can't believe you didn't get him either you're his mum you love her more than any him more than anyone and I was 
What? Why? We, have, we must have said this on the podcast in previous weeks as well. Why? I know that babies often do go with the mums and everything and get awarded to the mums in court cases awarded. and everything. I award you this child. I bestow upon thee. Um, what, why, why does Abby love Alfie more than Imran, hey Kelly? I honestly do think that people are being unintentionally cruel towards fathers in this storyline. We need Norris dressing up in his Batman suit again, don't we? Just and a bit of protest for the guys. I really don't... I, women, when they give birth, many, not all women have hormones that are released that change you know ha- have a great impact on their mo- their brains and, and people will say you know women talk about this mm. frankly and it must be overwhelming and t- and this is what Abby's going through plus the extra of loving your child anyway but to, to completely dismiss Imran as having any sort of emotion that is justified in any way, as though he could be a stranger who, or or like a foster parent or a, or an adopted parent who would love a child in the same way that any other person who had no biological link. Mm. I find it a slightly borderline offensive that people are just totally acting as though Imran has no love nor claim that is beyond selfishness because surely a love of a child is like one of the most selfless things you can do. Or is it just selfless, selfish because you've got that biological link? I don't know. I just find it very uncomfortable. And I also think it's doing a bit of a disservice to adoptive or foster parents because that's what Toy is kind of doing. Mm. Anyone who's ever taken on somebody else's child in a, in a relationship is being treated like some kind of child snatching scumbag and they use the phrase the sort of phrase child snatcher very many several times this week as though they're trying to lay it on a bit thick um well it's more it's more that um toy is using that phrase isn't it to say people are thinking that this is what i'm being. i think Carnation street thinks that they can make herself aware and then people will forgive her but unfortunately it feels like i, I think the, the people that have already here. decided what that that's what she is just go yeah you are Mm. And and don't kind of give her any credit for for that kind of because I I, I I've thought for the last few weeks that Toya is looking very very desperate here and is thinking well this is a great opportunity I I do think that she still has got some love for him man and she is in no way trying to play the long game at the moment like I suggested before um, but I think that this week she was written as being genuinely a lot more reasonable and I'm not just being blinkered here honestly I think that she a lot of this week she was saying I don't want people to think I'm smug I don't want I'm worried about what people think of me and I think Georgia Taylor is doing a cracking job playing her genuinely just wanting to be you know be a mum and get away from the drama of it all you use the word desperate there and you're definitely not the only person who's used that that word but I find that offensive as well because is an adoptive parent desperate for a child in a sort of pathetic and grasping and um, scornful way? But we, we, I mean, we've got many years of evidence that desperate is a fairly apt word to describe Who Toya. better to take, can, take custody of a child than somebody who's desperate to love a child? I don't understand why desperate is being used to um, dismiss Toya's... Um, opinions or emotions in this i find it really really offensive foster parents who take children in who don't who who aren't biologically related to them who are strangers to them look after and care for them and love them when they're 
um, parents can't. They're desperate. I People think... who adopt children whose parents have died, god parents who have gone to church and said, I will look after this child if anything happens, who then their parents have a horrible accident and they, they stand by their pledge and they take those children in and look after them. They're desperate. People whose um, nephews or nieces have been orphaned because of a horrible accident that their sibling has gone through. They're desperate. Grandparents who have taken in their grandchildren when their children have died. They're desperate. Are they all desperate? I or are we using more... a horrible word that has actually got really misogynistic overtones to describe a woman who is looking after a baby when she thinks that the mother is not capable. I think it's... You're absolutely right, I agree. But I think in Toya's case, people are saying that she's overlooking some flaws in in her relationship, i.e. her current husband had it off with the local drug druggie and, and she's like, say, well, that, that doesn't matter because I want a baby and, and I don't necessarily know whether I definitely trust him. It doesn't matter because i got a baby. Everyone, my sister is telling me that I'm doing the wrong thing, but it doesn't matter because I get a baby. That's a different way of looking at it. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on from that because we we, we we spoke about our feelings there last week. I'm not saying that I am against you. Obviously, I'm on the same side. I'm just telling you what people are thinking as well. But... So I just think if I'm if I if I had the choice of thinking and she, I just think people are overlooking the fact that Toya genuinely thinks that Abby was using drugs. Yeah, she does because she Imran, Imran led her to believe that because and I think he was I think he I do think that Imran believed that Abby was on drugs. It's very convenient um, that he believed that, but he he made himself think it and I think it's very easy to understand how they came to that conclusion and Mm. I would and again I'm going to say this again if you're so sure that Abby is going to be perfect 100% and not mess up again and not go back on drugs that's great and I I kind of hope that happens but I would not in real life because this is just a stupid soap let's not all get wound up about it she says to herself um (laughs) Are you going to bet a baby's life that that will happen? Are you willing to bet the life of a baby who is completely helpless that Abby will not screw up at all ever? A notorious spiraler. Given her complete lack of support and her uh, the fact that she's alone and everybody's really nice to her at the moment but who's going to be there at like three o'clock in the morning when she's got to go to work the next day to earn money to have somebody to look after her so she can go to work look after the baby so she can go to work being a single mum and a recovering drug addict who's just had her son die the year before and is going through a separation from her husband it's not it's not the most stable of situations going, to raise a baby. Would you bet a hundred pound? Would you bet a thousand pound? Would you bet your house? Would you bet a baby's life? Because I wouldn't bet a hundred pounds on it. No, I know, I I, I I totally agree. Totally and it's agree. not like he's going to anybody off the street, he's going to his dad's. Mm, mm. So anyway. And it's also temporary as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And they are saying that they want to have Abby as part of the baby's life as well. And I do believe they're being genuine with that. So Kelly goes round to see Imran and says that what's going on? Abby says that you're trying, you know, you you lied about Alfie in court. And Imran says that don't believe everything you hear. Um, but he doesn't like the idea that, um, no, that this topic of conversation is coming up because Toya's approaching and um, 
she as far as far as Toya is concerned, everything is completely above board. So Imran kind of shoes Kelly away and says, oh, she just wanted to have a look at the baby. And then uh, we leave the episode with Toya kind of pondering herself uh, whether whether she looks like a desperate child snatcher or not. Wednesday, um, Toya is getting a little bit agoraphobic. She doesn't want to go outside <laughs> because she doesn't want to feel that she's kind of flaunting her new acquisition to the Weatherfield residence. So she's got a whole um, a whole <laughs> slew of flat-bound activities planned today. Skirting boards. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just say, like, this story is must be the most frustrating... Like, this story is winding me up, right? Because I'm on Toya and Imran's side. But if you're on Abby's side, watching Toya, like, agonising about... It's like watching... <laughs> I don't want to be... I'm going to be hyperbolic. It's like watching a Nazi going, oh, I don't know. Oh, I feel a bit bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, of course you feel bad because you are doing the wrong thing and so it's your guilty conscience. But obviously I don't feel it that way, but I can totally see. So I find this this whole storyline, I like almost had to walk away from it today when we were watching it because I was just like... I hate this. I can't... I cannot stand this. <laughs> it's still my favourite storyline of the year. I want to grab very... people... <laughs> It's very difficult. Stamp on their heads. It's very, very difficult to watch this storyline, but I'm glad I'm invested. They've done in it. such. I think they've done a really good job of. They haven't done a good job of sort of laying out a kind of like, oh, I don't know, I can't decide kind of dilemma to people. What they've done is like laid two completely different perspectives upon the upon the audience, and depending on who you it's are, like and what pick, you think, pick a team or, and fight to the death. You really, really. There's no, I, I, it's really difficult to kind of go, oh, I can see both sides. <laughs> like, I can see both sides, but I definitely am Toya's side. I know. But Imran, he can just you can do go kick rocks. Oh, well, we talk more about Imran later, because he's a bit in the I'm going to shut up now, because I'm just getting wound up. <laughs> so, um, Imran <laughs> goes and finds Leanne later in the street and says, look, Toya's, um, Toys haven't been a bit of a, a bit of a hermit at the moment. Didn't you have experience of this last year, Leanne? I don't think he says that, but it's quite coincidental. Can you go and help her out? Uh, we don't want people thinking we're baby snatchers. This phrase just gets banded about all the time this week. And I just Leanne... think somebody on the writing team went, people are going to think Toy is a baby snatcher. We should just make sure that she keeps saying that she's not so that people <laughs> get it. <laughs> so um, Leanne goes up to Toya's flat, her amazing idea, and says, I know, we do... why don't you have a naming day for Alfie and Imran's like yeah that sounds awesome I love the idea of that and Toya kind of goes along with it as well but she says nothing too flash we don't want to look smug and if you... <laughs> sorry to anyone that's listening that's that's had a, a naming ceremony and I think this isn't the first naming ceremony about? but didn't Ollie have a naming ceremony as well I think that's maybe where Leanne got the idea from but um, even how... somebody does Beth call it a christening later on as well it just feels like a it's a christening but not a christening but you can't if you're not religious and you don't want it Imran's Muslim or like an lapsed Muslim I think he would find it a bit weird to go to a church especially when Toy's like not that bothered it just feels kind um, of I know. It's because we don't, I just want to say, I don't know, if, if you're not from the country, you probably find it a bit weird, but we don't really have a tradition of parties for children that aren't christenings. No. Like, traditionally speaking, maybe in the last 20 years that's changed, but we haven't been invited to one, so we haven't got a clue. None of our friends have got children, um, I don't know what goes on these days. But so having a naming day just sound, just sound a bit twee, Yeah. perhaps. But if you're not going to be religious about it, it's not going to be. You can't call it a christ. You can't call it a christening. Well, I can think you? that lots of people would call it a christening, even if it's 
you know, if it's not I a religious animal. I think the phrase animal, naming would... ceremony sounds a bit like you got it from Game of Thrones. Like, oh, it's your name day, young <laughs> yeah, master. Yeah, I think that, I mean, this is going to be a perfect opportunity for Tori and Imran to actually pick a name for their child because neither of them had any input into the name Alfie, did they? Maybe they don't like it. When they said that they were going to have a naming ceremony, I did want to make a funny joke on Twitter about um, they're going to rename him something else, but I thought that's <laughs> that just going to That would be the ultimate insult up. to Abby. That really would if they were like, well, actually, we've decided Alfie's his middle that, name. That's a curry trivia question for the 20 years down the line, isn't it? Like, what was Amy called when she was first born? Patience Croffer, of course. What was, what was Alfie's new name going to be? Uh, what would they call him? <laughs> something, something trendy and, and, and <sighs> new age. I tell you what, that what would really Florizel. Oh, <laughs> Prince Florizel. Yeah. Well, you know, they they they've, the they've had they've already they've already had Elsie as a tribute to the early days of Coronation Street. So why not Florizel as <laughs> I well? I want to call him Len Fairclough. <laughs> <laughs> like I, th- I used to know something. Oh, I knew a man called Len once. It was like the, the, a few months ago when Rita was talking. She says, I knew somebody called Dennis once. Like, yes, you married him. Well <laughs> yeah, done, Rita. Congratulations. He, he just ran his urn over. <laughs> Calm down. Anyway, so um, Abby comes up to see Imran in the lawyer's office later. Just so another go at him for having this naming ceremony without her. And Imran says, no, we want you there, of course. We just want to get along. And Imran, uh, Abby's not having any of this. She says, no, not going to any... Fan- oh, she's the one that says, not going to any christening or whatever you want to call it. You lied in court to get Alfie. I'm going to prove what you did and when people find out it's not me that's going to be cat out of Alfie's life it'll be you so Imran goes back home from work later and, and Toya is kind of upset to hear that Abby didn't particularly react well to the news of their naming ceremony and he says that she says that she's not coming and he's looking shifty I kind of maybe missed this and I meant to rewatch this scene I've just realized as I am talking did he lie to Toya there did he say did he say you can't come, or did she, did Abby say that I she doesn't remember. want to come? I can't remember. But I just love this the idea that Leanne was like, "Why don't you invite Abby to a naming ceremony to get her on your side?" And then it turns into, "Right, Abby's uninvited, <laughs> and we're having a party without her." I'm not. I'm not surprised. Abby's not going. Whether invite her or not, she's clearly not going to feel comfortable going along to that in right. her current okay. state of mind. I definitely will say. Alone. Let's all draw a truce. I definitely will say Alfie's definitely ours. That um, if you're on Abby's side, if I was on Abby's side, I'd be saying, well, if Toya and Imran genuinely wanted Abby to have be part of it, of his life, he, she's been away from her kid now, her baby, her newborn son, for several nights, and they've not invited her round once. They haven't taken her to see, they haven't taken him to see her. They haven't had any kind of visitation. They haven't organised anything. I know the judge said you can see him once a week, but if I was, if I was Toya and Imran, I'd be like. Abby, come round and see him. Do you want me to bring him round? I thought that there was. I've got a feeling in the back of my mind that they did invite her or him round, went round or something. I know he gave her the TED. No, that's not the same no, thing, no, is no, it? No, I know it's not, but I, th- I thought that they did. But she's not in the if right frame of yeah, mind to she, go visiting at the moment. She is. She, that's what she wants most of all, to see her baby. They need to bring her. They need to bring him round her more. It's not really fair. To go, oh, you can see him when you like. Not now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, um... Toya's obviously looking after him by herself, you know, at, at home. I just think that they aren't doing as much as they say that they want to do to help her, to help, you know. Because the bonding process too, this poor baby. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think, going back to the naming ceremony, he is still called Alfie Webster, is he? Does he actually, on his birth certificate, that's probably what he'd have been put down as. Another... That must be weird. So maybe this is going to be an opportunity to uh, get the tip X out on that birth certificate. <laughs> well, it's another stupid example, isn't it, of Coronation Street, like, women, like, the perfect feminist argument for not taking your husband's name when you get married is to look at Coronation Street, all these women with these surnames of men that haven't even been in the show. Yeah. Like, like she's not why married. Is, why is she she's still a... Yasmeen Metcalf? <laughs> she's, yeah, like... Abby, I know I wouldn't. It doesn't make sense that she'd put down a different name, but she's she's kind of separated from from Kevin. Kevin's not got anything to do with this child. He's not related to him. So they got a couple of scenes together at least today, didn't they? Did Abby and Kevin? Do you think Kevin would get annoyed if they went? Sorry, Kev, he's not called Alfie Webster anymore. No. I don't know. But yeah, so some some of the Cory ladies, do, <laughs> some, sometimes you get Cory ladies that can't drop their new married names quick enough when their husband yeah. turns out to be a wronger. But then also you get like Rita Tanner, who is still <laughs> called that. It's like she just can't be bothered to go down the register office to it's change it because she's had so many surnames in the past. What does she go back to? It, it'd be kind of interesting if she did go back to Littlewood right at the end because Ted Sullivan was such a minor character... I don't know whether she'd want to go back to him, but she, ah, she did love well, him. Well, I don't. I I can't speak because I'd never. No, would, no, I know. I've never had to. I think it's really, really weird that Yasmin is still Yasmin Metcalf. But then, if she went back to Yasmin Nazir, that would be peculiar as well, wouldn't it? Because he was also a massive ass. Do we even know what Yasmin's maiden name is? I don't know. Because in um, classic Coronation Street, um, currently on ITV3, Alma has gone back to being Alma Halliwell again after Sedgwick. Um, Baldwin and then she's like well both of them turned out to be a bit of a dud so now I've gone back to my maiden name we should do it like which Scandinavian country yeah, is it? yeah I was it? just thinking of that is just it name Sweden? it after you yeah Ericsson son of Eric yeah but also it, she would be like say um, say Rita's dad was Steve she'd be called <laughs> Rita's Steve daughter <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so let's go back to what actually happened this week. What so, are we talking about? We're talking, <laughs> obviously. Alfie. We've just got Alfie, a little bit on, of a tangent. Hang on, hang on. Here. He would be Alfie Imranson. Oh, that's nice. Imranson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, because what, Toya's, Toya's Battersby. Uh, Habib now, isn't she? So yeah. you want to match, don't you? I can't remember what. What was Toya's dad called? That dodgy one that she went in down to London to oh, see. Oh yeah, I don't know. Let me look I'm it up. Let me go and find that one out. That's a Corey trivia. So anyway, um, quite handily, um, Toya's been able to arrange the naming ceremony for Monday's episode. So she's um, she's kind of happy that that's going on. But um, then her, her happiness is short lived because it turns out that Imran's been a total donor and dressed Alfie up in a maybe's maybe's boy, <laughs> babe no mummy's boy baby grow and it, I. I, I, what what on earth would have made him think that that was a suitable attire with everything that's going on? A massive white onesie that says Mummy's Boy on. Not thinking there, are you, Mr Habib? So anyway, she wants... Oh, Ronnie Clegg, thank you very much. So what would her name be? It... Ronnie's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't roll off the tongue quite so well, does it? So anyway, she says, look, I want to go and take Alfie to see my workmate, my colleagues at the factory Why? today. But Maybe I don't want... Maybe there's your friend. I don't want to make a big thing of this and, and, you know, I don't want people to notice or start talking about me being a baby snatch. I don't want to be praying around like I've won or anything like that. And then man says, look, you don't got anything to be ashamed of. Just put a nice cardie around him and he'll be absolutely fine. So um, like she goes to the factory and Sally and Sean are kind of cooing over Alfie for a little bit. Bit, although Sally's um, 
pleasantries don't last too long because um, she is obviously a good friend of Abby after their little stay in prison together and she is accusing Toya of snatching him away from Abby, especially when Beth undoes the cardigan to reveal this mummy's boy onesie. Beth's also a massive cow and if... Um, if there was any kind of evidence this week that Toya is currently in the right, um, according to the, the writers, then it's because they've got Snooty Sally and Gobby Beth having a go at her. Or are we supposed to be thinking, well, she deserved that ear bashing that she got through? I just I no, I don't even think that that I don't even think that's the case. I just think that the current Coronation Street is trying to balance it. Balance yeah, it. they are, they are, they're and they're are. trying to sort of make us feel sympathy for Toya, even if you don't agree with her by having people. I'd love to, like, see a line graph of sympathies for Imran, Abby and Toya through this. Like, average sympathies. That would be fascinating to see it going up and down. Because definitely, definitely Toya was written to be more sympathetically. Last week I was thinking, well, I've got to kind of be on Toya's (laughs) side because I've always been an Imran and Toya fan. I've I've loved Abby as well, but Toya's a very special character to me, so I'm kind of going for her. But this week, honestly, I think that she was being written very sympathetically. But anyway, so um, she's having a bit of a problem there, as is Imran, who gets a surprise visit from Ben in his office office at work and um, basically he's after more money 500 pounds extra he wants and he's kind of saying oh yeah you split that woman up from her son he's he's looking sounding like he's getting a bit of a conscience over it but really I think that's just the line he's spinning to try and get a bit of extra cash out of Imran and Imran's like I can't I'm skint and he's like you're just a rich lawyer and he's like have you seen this place have you seen the threadbare carpet and um, having visited that set it certainly is a massive dive isn't it so um He's like, he should have said, um, what did I say to you when we were watching the episode? It's, it's almost as bad as Chariot Square Hotel in here. It's so <laughs> threadbare. Anyways, like, so I haven't got any money. You're not having any of it. So Ben says, well, in that case, I'm going to go and tell everybody that um, you made me lie in court. So Imran's like, he's like, I've got no money, but I'm just going to get my wallet out of my, pound, out of my, my jacket pocket where I happen to have £100 in notes. Who has, <laughs> Who has any cash in their wallets these days, let alone £100? Especially his generation. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, we, we are, like, a bit older than him and we don't carry cash. I Only would slightly. imagine, like, the younger you get, the less likely you are to have money on you. Yeah, You'd be like, oh, uh, you can bribe me if you like. I'll just bop my Apple Watch on your on your phone. If you've got like a card reader that I can yeah. put my bribe money into. Yeah. <laughs> I do actually have £30 in my wallet at the moment, which is very rare for me because I have to get out of the petty cash tin at school. But um, £100? Hmm, unlikely. Anyway, um, he says, look, take this and then we're done, okay? So Ben goes outside and um, makes com- a kind of desperate sounding phone call because when Imran says, well, what do you want the money for? Are you using or something? Ben's looking a bit shifty. So it, we're, we're led to believe that um, he is a, a massive druggie. He's a dr- he's the one that's the drug addict. Yes. So he, he well, makes this phone crit. call to his dealer saying, oh, I'm going to meet you outside such and such. I've got £16.50. What can and I get? what do you know? Just what do you know? Who... Who on earth could be there listening in to Ben's conversation? Who just happens to have walked past him while he's arranging this drugs pickup? It was me. I heard everything. No. It was someone completely unrelated to the storyline. It was Aggie Bailey. No, it was Abby. She's just going, I can't be getting involved with this. I've got my own own drama going on there. It's an NHS storyline, so... 
Every time somebody coincidentally overhears something, I can imagine like Kathy clopping up the road saying, can I overhear this, please? Can I be involved in your story? Oh, damn, I missed it. See, I have a different vision of like the writers just sitting around in the room awkwardly looking at each other in silence and then somebody going, she overhears it. How, how are we going to get from point, we know where the story, we're going to start here and we want to get to here. How can we get it happen? Coincidential, yeah, coincidental overhearing? Yeah, coincidental overhearing. Anyway, let's go to the pub. <laughs> But to be fair, you know, when they, when they, I, I feel really bad for Coronation Street when we moan about stuff like this because they've tried to do different things or that, and it just gets so convoluted and ridiculous and we make fun of that and we're like, oh, why is this really stupid? Oh, making know, it, making it so overcomplicated. It's, yeah, I suppose it's also because now that the set is expanded, it's even less likely that they're going to coincidentally overhear each other because they've got so much more space that these, their paths wouldn't be crossing. Whereas in the early days, where they're all, all tightly packed into one street, the coincidental overhearing is more likely to happen, although they happened less. Weird that, isn't it? Anyway, so Abby's got word of where um, Ben's going to be going later, so she decides to, to tail him. Um, so we're back to Toya and Imran. They bump into each other outside the flat later, and she says about what happened with Beth and Sally. I had a rubbish time there. And he says, Look, who cares what they think? And she says, I do. They're my workmates. I need them to be on my, well, even if not on my side, I need them to be civil with me at least. Look, maybe we should postpone this smug naming ceremony because people are going to think that we're just rubbing their noses in it. And Imran says, No way. We're a proper family, and we should not be ashamed of that. So. Cut back to Abby again, and she's um, there with her phone out, videoing him getting his drugs from whoever in the car. And um, But then Sally phones her for some reason, probably to say, can you believe what Toya was doing in the factory today? But she said, but then when the phone rings, the ringtone makes Ben look up, usually. Um, no, they no, no, actually, they never have their phones on silent, do they? So anyway, he sees Abby, gives chase, and um, catches up with her and says, you film me, get rid of that, delete the message. And she says, I've already sent it to a mate. I, we assume that she's lying there because there was no um, evidence later on in the episode that somebody has received this. But if you were Ben, would you bet a baby on it? Good point, good point. So she says, look, I could just tell them to ignore it. I'll delete it off my phone as well. If you admit to um, the, the, the police or whatever that you lied in court for Imran. Basically, either you're going to do that or I'm going to give my footage of you taking drugs to the cops. And he's starting to look a bit guilty about making a loser kid again, but I still I, I still don't think he really cares because he's got no morals, this Ben. She, she tells him, right, you've got until four o'clock to make your decision here. So he goes to see Imran at the office and I did enjoy this scene because Imran's there with Toya talking, I can't remember what they were talking about. And, Snatching um, babies. Snatch, so, yeah, who, which baby shall we snatch next? <laughs> Faye's baby? Oh no, she can't have her. She lost that one. No, she was never <gasps> pregnant whatsoever. I think that I think that Faye was pregnant and Toya used her magical baby snatching powers to take it out of the womb. And so when she goes to this gets to get her scans, like you were ne- there's no baby in there, you were never pregnant. <gasps> and Toya's like, that's what I want them to think. It's in my trunk. <laughs> Got it in a test tube in the back room. So anyway, um I've lost where I am now. Yeah, Ben goes to speak to Imran. And Imran's like, oh, hello, hello, my client. Um, what does he say? So I'm so sorry, I forgot our meeting. Bugger off, Toya's here. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like growling at him, isn't he? He's like, don't you ever come back here again? Sorry, sorry, on your way, goodbye. He's like, I'll push you down the stairs or I'll get my mate Daniel to do it. He's great at that. <laughs> oh dear, Imran, how mighty have fallen. Threatening oh. to push 
a poor innocent drug addict down the stairs just because he's trying to blackmail you. I know. Can't believe well, it. I know. I know. So Ben's like, well, no, I, I know whose side I'm on now. You threatened to push me down the stairs. I'm going to go and see Abby. It's really rude. And he, he makes the phone call. She stands there while he's on the phone to... He phones Elliot, doesn't he? The police don't yeah, know yeah. it this point I no not yet don't think. they don't know no. no so she's kind of smiling knowing that she's won um, later on in the episode Imran gets a phone call from Elliot <laughs> saying um, hi um, do you want to have lunch on Monday have a little meeting together and Imran's like oh no, no not, not really I can't and Imran, um, Elliot's like well evidence has come to light that you have committed perjury in no, court no Elliot phones up and he's like hi Imran how you doing want lunch on Monday no going to phone the police then <laughs> yeah um, and he says I think probably you should make yourself available for a meeting with, uh, with me on Monday otherwise um, think bad things could happen to you and was <laughs> like oh but the naming ceremony that's a nice coincidence oh, as well probably ran. exactly the same time on Monday as well there are 24 whole hours but it's going to all both you be at the same know. time isn't it or, or very close to each other so um, he has to admit to everything <laughs> Uh, uh, to Adam about everything that's happened because um, the, the magnificently bouffanted Adam is there listening in on this conversation. He's like, "What's going on here?" Then oh, Adam's this... just thrilled that somebody else's life is more of a mess than his is. Yeah, this this company can't take any more scandals. So he's like, you, you, "We can't risk it." Imran's looking massively desperate at this point and says, right, I need to go and see Ben again. I need to try and smooth this out. Um, but I don't think he does, does he? Or at least um, we don't see that. So Abby goes over to Kevin, says, right, we've got this meeting. It's going to be me, Elliot, Imran. Um, we're going to smooth this all out. Well, not smooth it out. Hopefully I'm just going to be able to snatch my baby back off him, basically. And um, as a bonus, everybody see what a massive scumbag Imran is. Time that he got a taste of his own medicine. So Imran gets home <laughs> towards the end of the episode. Toy is like, um, how are you feeling about Monday? And he's like, uh, not great. Oh, the naming ceremony. Yeah, great. Lovely Can't wait. Good naming ceremony. Cannot wait. Can't, yeah can't get here soon enough wouldn't miss it for the world and then he goes off to their little back bit by the table and looks like he's doing a little worried fart i thought he's like oh dear having a bit of yeah having a bit of a having a bit of a, think, con- a, yeah, a crisis like, mm, i um, think he's a bit he's a bit bricking it is imran at the end of the episode because <laughs> sounds like he's about to lose his job Chickens. baby wife Everything. All his chickens are coming home to roost, and uh, they've finished eating Jeff's corpse, yeah. and now they're out for Moving blood. On <laughs> to Battersby, a uh, Batterbeeb. Sorry. Well, oh, Imran, you really Imran, Imran, screwed Imran. up here, man. He has, but can I just try and defend Imran here? No, no. He really, really didn't want to <laughs> perjure. He, he, he didn't want to. Um, <laughs> plant evidence he didn't want to make up evidence he did not want to lie in court in fact he was very insistent for a good week and a half that ben actually had to find proper evidence about this and actually ben was the one that came into the office and persuaded him and it turns out that this was all part of ben's evil plan to get an extra 500 pounds off of imran so we can have some more lovely drugs um so ben's got to take some of the blame here and i Although Imran has been very duplicitous recently, he 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 didn't want to be. He was desperate. It was last I'm minute. The, the hearing is literally good. about to start. This this carrot has been dangled in front of me, and if I just do a little lie that Ben is telling me I really really should do, and and he's very very persuasive, um, I'd, I'd get the the you know the life of my dreams. 
Is that is that reasonable? But he's now endangered his opportunity to take care of Alfie because and I here's my he question. wouldn't have had an opportunity had he no, not lied in court. I don't maybe. believe that because who's the dad? I don't believe that because I I do think that Imran should have had custody no matter what. Mm. Just because I don't think it's fair. Also, on on um. Abby to expect her to be able to get clean and look after this baby all by herself. I, is that, I don't think that's wrong of me to think that that's too much to ask of somebody who's really vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but I really wish that, you know, if Imran and, and Abby lived together, that would obviously be the best solution, wouldn't it? But yeah, I, I don't think that they um, would um, be a particularly harmonious house guest. Not really, no. Housemates, but here's I mean. the question... Given that Imran has perjured himself, and um, you know, and, and that that looks like it's gonna it, well, it's come to light now for Abby's solicitor. Um, why are the courts to find this out? What what kind of decision would they come to based on this? Because what about who should look after Alfie? If I'm basing the decision purely on who's gonna look after the child better, I'm still gonna pick Imran because my reasons for not picking Abby are unrelated to whether she tells the truth when she's in court or not. Being being a liar and a cheater... Doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good, a good dad. parent. Whereas being a drug addict is generally considered to be a bad thing when you're looking after children. And, and, and the one and that's Abby's been clean, already, supposedly, for, what, a month and a half? Yeah. Great, but that's not... That's brilliant, but not, you know, good enough. And no. Abby's already but lost But she's had a cry children. over a teddy bear. Abby's already had, you know... Lexi and Charlie aren't that old. How old are they? Six? Seven? Mm, eight, nine, I reckon. Well, you know, she's she's only just lost custody of those in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. she gave them up so readily. In six years' time, is she going to have Alfie and be crying outside the gates of another great big house where he's, you know, jumping around on a, on a monkey bars mm. because she can't cope again? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. It's um that there certainly seems to be more stability in um, the Battersby household. But at the no, moment, I don't mean. Or, I'm not, not it's not really. Now. It's not about that. It's about what what would the courts decide? Because we already know what we all think. But when you're you're listening to this and you're thinking Gemma's wrong, she doesn't know. She's not parents. She's never been. She's never had a child. She can't understand what it's like, um, etc. Or you know, you're being too hard on Abby. You should give her another chance. Uh, all, all those, all those, obviously, completely valid, and um, I can understand how everybody's got to those points of view and perspectives. And um, again, if you are on Abby's side, I really, really want you to write in and tell us about what you think about what's going on. But my point is, what would the courts actually say? I suppose it depends on what's going to happen to Imran um, if he gets. Do you get do you get jailed for perjury because he can't be a good dad to Alfie if he's in the clink? Can yeah, he? true. And and then does that does it? But I just was under the impression that it wasn't really a question of originally it was a question of Abby or no one, wasn't it? Mm. And they literally picked no one over Abby. They went, "You, the child is better off without you." We were going to put him into the system because we think you're too dangerous of a parent, like couple of weeks to a month later, she really genuinely thinks that she can win custody of him over a stable parent and his wife. But if the if the courts are then saying, look, he's also a nightmare, she's a nightmare, we can't give it to Toya, we can't give it to Imran or Abby, 
is it then the choice that going back into the system again or would they say look Imran's not ideal we, he's go he, Alfie's going with Imran or would they say well given given that Imran's a liar I guess we'll give him to, to Abby because that seems like the most far-fetched aspect uh solution yeah. because literally like a month ago that the courts would rather have given him into foster care yeah. than have Abby taken. I don't know. I'm very interested to see how it goes. How do you? What do you think is going to be the the Monday drama? Then is it going to be a? He can't go to the naming ceremony because he's at this meeting. Is it B? Toy is there waiting at the in, uh, naming ceremony, saying, "Oh, where's Imran?" And he races in at the last minute, having just gone to the naming ceremony. C no, is the naming ceremony. Gone to the what meeting? So the meeting. Sorry. C is she's like, "Don't forget, naming ceremony is at one o'clock." And he's like, "Crikey, my meeting's at twelve o'clock." And then. He ends up not going to the naming ceremony because everything goes so badly at the meeting, or he gets arrested at the end. Or of he it. goes to the meeting and uh, Elliot's like, uh, "Mr. Habib, you keep looking at your watch. I don't know what you possibly could think would be more important than this meeting about the future of your son mm. and and where he's going to live." Do you, Do you think? And I I do not know. I I don't know any spoilers for next week whatsoever to do with this storyline. Do you think that by the end of Monday's episode? <laughs> Is Toya going to know the whole truth about what happened, or is this going to be eked out a little bit longer? And what would she do even if she does? This is the thing, because at the moment... Make your prediction, Gemma. I'm really on her side, because she has no knowledge of the, of the nefarious deeds that Imran has, has committed. But in a, in a sense, I can totally understand why um, you would go, okay, well, it's happened now, and we've got the baby, so let's keep him. Yeah. I um, think that she's not going to know by the end of Monday. I think they might string it out a bit longer. But um, I... There's there's no way out of this, is there? They they have got Imran over a barrel now. He can't lie his way out of this one because they've got Ben as a witness. Although I mean, will he be judged as an unreliable witness because he, first he said this and then he said that? I I don't know, but um, I, I, things are really not looking good for him. But well, I think that that's going to be the drama on Monday that he finds out that there's no way out. But yeah, maybe Toy's not going to know does. Imran. But maybe Toy's not going to know quite yet. Well, you know, this is another example of judging a character by their intentions rather than their actions, depending on how much you sympathise with them, right? Yeah. And also, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons or the wrong things for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Abby was doing the wrong things for the right reasons. She was trying to kidnap Toya and, and Alfie because she 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 and Alfie belong together because she's his mum, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got Toya and, um and well, you've got Imran doing the right I don't know which is the right round I'm <laughs> not sure know, but my prediction for Monday is um uh Imran disappears off to this meeting with Elliot and we only see him going into the room and Elliot's like hello hello uh Imran we've got a lot to get through I hope you've cleared your schedule and then the next thing you see is Toya in the weather like I don't know Hotel or bistro, Gemma? Bistro (laughs) hotel. That's the the main uh, prediction we need to make. Um, And she's there with um, Leanne and she keeps looking at the clock and she's bouncing. She's bouncing um, Alfie on her shoulder and um, she's saying, no one's going to come. Where's Imran? I I can't believe this. I I knew that this would happen. And Leanne's saying, no one's going to take him away from you. It wouldn't be that cruel. Ollie, Ollie got taken away from me. They wouldn't do this. Life's not that unfair. And then it, Abby comes in and says, "You've got to give him to me." And and uh, Toya says, "No, I don't. He's 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 Imran's. He's mine." And then Abby says, "Sorry, you've got to hand him over to me because 
and then the police come in or something and you don't see Imran again. You just see, uh, you don't see the meeting. You just see... Like Horror Nation Street all over again. And, and then, and then um, Toya has to hand him over and then she just collapses into tears and then everyone at home goes, get that baby snatching bitch. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I, I think, cry. I think we home. might get some toy tears guy? by the end of next week, possibly. Who's the guy that did the Leave Britney Alone? Chris, oh, what's yeah. his face? That's me. All this, the With whole Toya. story, all the way through, going Leave Toya Alone. <laughs> and I, can I just say, what? was he not vindicated at the end? Did he not? Was he not In correct? Brit- yeah, yeah. Leave Britney alone. She was going through a crisis. She was. Same with Toya. Leave Toya I, alone. I, I, I just remember before we move on, a couple of things. Toyo cooks Imran, was it mince? No, what's no, it? Chili. chili, that's right. Toyo's got a new dish, everybody. She has upgraded or moved on. She's expanded her culinary repertoire from do- veggie lasagna to presumably veggie chili. Or maybe that chili that you like, Imran, is actual meat chili and she's. Maybe she's trying to build up their stamina. Occasion, maybe. Um, also, well- I wanted to point out well done. Coronation Street giving a David Barlow shout out on today's episode. That's a proper callback, isn't it? When Ken, it was Kevin, wasn't it? He was saying, I can't remember, I still can't remember. How did he find out about it? He was looking through some, um, what do you call the little pamphlets you get at a football game? I've got no idea what I'm I don't talking know. About. The programme. <laughs> the order of service. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and, and it had David Barlow's name in there and he said oh yeah this is, Ke- this is Ken's uh, brother who used to play for County and he broke his le- leg on his first game then he went to play in London it was very good Coropedia knowledge there Kevin is that where you got it from you didn't mention that he died in a car crash in uh, Australia it, Abby said oh what happened to Kevin's brother maybe she didn't care Kevin's brother uh, I'm saying all the wrong names aren't I Abby didn't say what happens to Ken's brother but you Although, assume... what did happen to Kevin's brother? Because hmm? he's got a brother <laughs> living in Germany, hasn't he? What's his name? I can't remember. But Bill's had got another son, and he's never gets mentioned. With another wife, Black I know. Black sheep but... of the family. Anyway, yeah. Um, anyway, I, ju- I just appreciated the David Barlow reference. Thank you very much, Coronation Street. Gemma, should we move on? You got anything more to add? I'm not going to... I don't dare do? say another word. I think people would, would know. Right, you get the pleasure of doing the Bulimian Rhapsody storyline. Is this real life? Is it just fantasy or is it a nightmare? That's not how it goes, the, the lyrics. Okay. On Monday, Summer is chatting with Ardy in Victoria Gardens and they agree to go for a coffee. Oh, gosh. To wake me up when the story, this, the Summer storyline is over. Um, Sorry, it's really boring, isn't it? Ashes around Summer's for a revision session. How can you say this is boring? Revision session. <laughs> when, when do A-levels happen, everybody? Because I've feel, got a feeling that when A-levels are going on, there may be a climax and maybe even a possible end to this Take us around the back and the bike shed and shoot us in the head, please. I did... No, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being nasty. The, the Ardy element to this story is still very sweet and I absolutely adore Ardy. And um, I feel really bad for him that he's getting rejected and he's still, it keeps coming back because he's a good friend. But the rest of it is a bit dull, isn't it? Go on, go on. I'll I'll let you talk. See, I'm a bit confused about this because the only time I ever really see like teenagers talking about what, who, which boys they like and texting each other and doing exact, like homework and getting their little pens with their fluffy troll heads or whatever and mm. writing in the notebooks. Usually, it's a movie where at least three of them die in horrible deaths and get axed to death. Yeah. Maybe in 3D. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen. Watch out, Aaron. <laughs> so, um, someone's texting Aaron 
and tells Asha about him and she's taken aback as Ardy is under the impression that they're going out on a date later. So in the cafe... Or Ardy awkwardly asks Summer if they can try again and she, like, brushes him off. It was like... Because of um, Aaron. Almost a year ago they were dating, wasn't it? Ardy and Summer. It didn't last particularly long. Aww. Just giving it another he shot. He gets all uh, kind of embarrassed and fumbles his way out of the shop. Asha catches up with Summer later and Summer says, I don't want... Um, I don't want him to be sweet. I want sexy and exciting. Can you believe that Summer said sexy I can't in this week's Coronation Street Granny Spellman should have just materialised and washed her mouth out with soap honestly we don't Uh, Summer does not speak like that uh, right Asha is a bit concerned about how Ardy would have taken this but she's sure he'll be fine and she seems happy for Summer that she's got somebody that she likes so Summer meets up with Aaron in Victoria Gardens and um, she like completely blows this on the from the beginning, but it, he kind of yeah, it's like one of those car crash episodes of first dates, isn't it? <laughs> she says, "Oh, I've got I had a, me- a meeting with my ex, and I'm worried about breaking his heart." If I was Anna, I'd be like, "Calm down." <laughs> All right, you're trying to say yourself a bit too much here. Um, they get on like a house on fire anyway, but then she starts to open up about her issues with how she how she and looks stuff, yeah. and how she feels and and she starts talking about her eating disorder and the binging and purging and he's like oh, like freaks out and um and leaves so she texts him later and apologizes for scaring him off but he doesn't get back to her so on wednesday she's talking to billy about it and she's still down about it and um says she overshared and billy says <laughs> <laughs> don't go and speak to him don't don't wonder about what could have been so someone chats with Asha in the shop later and she's getting a bit bashful about whether um, when Asha asks if she fancies Aaron and someone says she's not sure if she wants to date somebody from this support group which to remind you was a diabetes group not an eating disorder group it was for diabetics. So someone gets up um, gets out to meet up with Aaron in the cafe later and she says look I'm really sorry about um, for oversharing and uh, making you feel awkward and he says, listen, you have to promise me you're not going to make yourself sick again. I, I really don't want that to happen to you. And then she's like, yeah, yeah, I promise I won't. And then he says, I don't think we should see each other outside of the group anymore. Oh, no. And she, he, she's asking him why, but he's mysterious and insistent that they never see each other. This kind of reminded me, like, if you read, I don't know if you've read any um, romantic fiction for teen girls, Michael, but when I was a lass, I used to read quite well, a few of them. And there'd always be a boy love. who had a mysterious secret who insisted that you couldn't be with him because he had a dark past. And it usually turns out he's a vampire. <laughs> I was going to say he's a werewolf <laughs> or a vampire or something, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's, that's a secret. That's what it is, yeah. Um, Asha finds Summer in Victoria Garlands later and she says what happens and she says, oh, it's all my fault. I'm dumpy and boring. Um, she strides off down Victoria Street with Asha trying to convince her that she's not worthless. She tells um, her about her story, about the skin lightning thing, and she says, look, when I had a bad self-image, I damaged myself physically by trying to fix it with those creams. I've got scars on my arms. Please don't do this to yourself. She invites her out later so that they can... Do whatever it is that teenage girls do these days. Hunt vampires. She says yes, but then she, when Asha leaves her, she looks really upset. She goes to her room, Summer does, and looks at herself in the full-length mirror and crosses out parts of herself with the lipstick until there's nothing left. Um, on Friday, Ardy comes to see Summer and he's heard it's over between Summer and Aaron and he says, Aaron's crazy um, because who would not be interested in you? 
And then Summer starts putting herself down again, saying she's thick and everything. And he says, look, don't judge yourself on your grades. You're worth more than that to me anyway. And then Summer phones Aaron and gets his voicemail and she um, she starts to kind of look, give give looks like she's going to spiral into more destructive behaviour. Well, she, yeah, she's got like some energy bar or something on the desk, hasn't she? And then she, she throws it in the bin and kind of lends looks dramatically at the bin like maybe I'm going to just dive in and eat it anyway and amongst the potato peelings and stuff, but she doesn't, good for her. So um, yeah. there we go. I just, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure that there are lots of people who, for the, whom this story really does resonate, but I don't think I've ever felt quite so um, uh, disengaged or, or like this story wasn't written for me. And usually that doesn't bother me. I mean, I, I don't particularly identify with most of the dramas that go on in Coronation Street, but this one in particular, I'm just really not fussed by, unfortunately. Um, summer makeover coming, do you think, Gemma? A makeover? Are they going to sexy her up? Because she's not happy with who she is at the moment, is no, she? No! Are they going to get rid of those pigtails... No, what, 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 what? Are you making a Disney film in 1994 or something? This isn't going to lead to a montage where she takes her glasses off and puts her hair down. Then <laughs> she's sexy summer. No. I think Aaron's got some kind of eating disorder. I think he's either got bulimia as well or he he's had experiences with somebody very close to him and he doesn't want to go through it again. I think I, I remember saying uh, when we first started talking about diabulimia that actually it affects men more than women. So it wouldn't uh, be yeah, that unusual if he did also have an issue with this. Um, and maybe he th- feels like he's conquered it and he doesn't want to spiral into self-destructive behaviour because she's a bad influence. Um, maybe so he's had... more of an insightful analysis than me just saying, this is boring. This is boring. She should have a makeover. <laughs> dumpy old... She's actually Trollope. in dumpy. So plain and dumpy. And boring. Gosh, she just does revision all the time. My nerd... Yeah. And what was that mirror scene about? If it felt like they were trying to recapture the magic of the Asher one, but it didn't work. When, when, for me. Scene, when that scene finished, we kind of turned to each other and said, mm, "So how did that compare to the Asher mirror scene with the, with the poster? It didn't didn't work quite so well, did it?" And I, I think maybe it's not it's Asher a, was a more um, it was a character that we got on with and we 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 enjoyed more. That storyline had been running. Not even half the time that Summer's been having these eating disorder problems, but it was so intense and well done that that felt like a perfect moment for it. Dev calling from her downstairs, it was brilliant. It did just feel like they were having another go and it didn't work for me. It felt like Asha's story was more impactful because it was repackaging something that was a very familiar story of of a girl feeling pressured from exterior forces to feel bad about herself and it was repackaged in a different way for white predominantly white viewers who would not have had the experience of oh actually I'd never thought about um worrying about how dark or light my skin was in comparison to other people so this is a new and unique kind of perspective on the same age-old issue so it leads you to kind of have a a new perspective on something that feels kind of done before Mm. But also, the unfortunate thing is that it really only just has happened with Asha, and so it doesn't feel like a new story. I think I've got a feeling that it's also partly to do with the fact that the Asha was a real close-up, and you got to see mm. Tanisha, you know, 
every little you know, emotion, little flicker, and and she, which she played it perfectly. And maybe because this was a bit more of a mid shot, I didn't didn't capture it quite so well. I I don't know. Maybe there's something a bit more powerful about the comparison between the picture that Asha was holding and her and her sort of reflection. But you know, you'd think that crossing yourself out in a mirror would also be pretty strong. Kind of rejection. It, it, it maybe I think it maybe just came across to me as she's been having a bit of a strop. And I know that's terrible, and we're not supposed to get that at all. But I was just like, oh, Summer, you've I really don't know how made a messier mirror now. Realistic it was that you would do that. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I would assume that it was based on something real. Mm. It was also a little bit like um, the Nina scene where she take a, took takes her makeup off last year, wasn't it? So there's been a few that have been a bit like this, and maybe that's also kind of why it felt like it was a little bit old, a little bit we've seen this. I don't know, but I know, I'm sure other people enjoyed it, but. Me, not so <laughs> much. A bit not more so much. But I'm still all for Ardy and Summer getting together. I'm, I, I don't care about Aaron whatsoever, but I, I still am shipping Ardy and Summer because he's a lovely guy. And I think that I, I feel really bad for him because he's just got constantly rejected over the years, hasn't he? He's He went out with Summer for a little bit. But before that, um, when Asher was going out with Corey and he was making fun of him for being a virgin, he, he's he's never been in much of a relationship. I think that he's going to end up having possibly some massive self confidence issues because he's just. This is no much he's, more. He's, than he's just a being an, He's a, a a proper nice guy. Yeah. And and he's not getting the girl, so maybe oh, he's gonna yeah. maybe he's gonna turn into a wrong one because he realizes right. that that's what all the girls want. I think the government really should look into this a bit more and make sure that every young nice boy gets assigned a woman, because he's a nice guy. I just I I, I feel I feel bad for Ardy. I'm sorry, but this as is as a ca- fellow nice guy. This is what you call character building, and everyone has to go through it. Unfortunately, in your teenage years, otherwise you turn into an insufferable, arrogant arsehole like <laughs> Mister Thorn. I, I I hope that they give him somebody soon. You don't get a consolation prize of a woman. This is what this is incel talk, Michael. <laughs> but he really, really wants one, and he's such a nice guy. Yeah, he wouldn't do anything wrong right we're fizzling out Gemma let's uh, move on to the next story yeah you're doing the fizz out story can you believe this giant house we're not there yet I'm still not over it I'm still not over it yeah but they don't have an amazing podcasting studio in there oh they could do if they wanted to on Wednesday Tyrone and Evelyn talk about not seeing much of Fizz recently because it's fancy new house. I would never come out of it either no especially because it was a fixer upper wasn't it she's like (laughs) who buys a fixer like I'm sorry but if you've got kids, right, and you've got the choice of, would you like to buy a six-bedroom, like, three-floor mansion or a normal house that's finished? Mm. Yeah, sorry, sorry. A six-bedroom, like, run-down tip that you can't afford to fix and the roof is falling off. Or a normal house that's just a bit smaller but is finished. Yeah. Why would you pick the Well, when we house? moved last year, we were, we were looking at some that maybe needed a bit of fixing up, and we ended up plumping for one that's pretty much done. We couldn't find a fixer upper in our that was good enough. Mm. We do we do have our downstairs bit that needs doing, but I like, mean that, that's just separate. It was challenging enough for us to paint the wall in here. Yeah. <laughs> but did we mention this on last week's podcast? Gemma did an excellent job at uh, covering up the massive mistake that I made with the drill a month or so ago when I was trying to put up some shelves. Oh, yeah, my polyfiller. Managed... Yeah, Gemma has learned how to use polyfiller to, 
to yeah because I made some horrible big holes in the wall didn't I but now you can't tell at all well done Gemma so if your husband's bad at DIY just learn how to use polyfiller and it's like it never happens I don't know how to use polyfiller Michael you Maybe do I it's very it. easy it, honestly you should have given me easy. a go I tell you what though I feel completely empowered now I know how to use it I really, really do. Do you think you could do anything? I do. I honestly do. I feel like I could make a hole anywhere and just pretend it never happened. <laughs> could you put shells up yourself? No. Could you I change could... a fuse? No. Could but... you sand a gate down? Because we need that doing outside. No. I could drill a hole in the wall and then pretend I hadn't. <laughs> and that's the most important thing. Right. Anyway, Fizz is too busy doing her house to come around and see her to, to watch What's her cooking called? show. What's it called? Ben Foles 5? Ten, ben, I don't know. Ben 10? Ben, sweet, I, sweet I Ben. I didn't write it down. Ben, uh, desserts for the nation, 10? Sweets, 10. She doesn't want to watch <laughs> it anymore. <laughs> it's basically British Bake Off, but they can't say it, can yeah. they? Um, so, Tyrone's like, oh, she loves it. Um, they always used to watch it together. And He's like saying, we used to live such a predictable life that I know that she'll be watching this tonight. This would be like because me he and you. Is. Me and you, if we, got, if we got divorced, you'd be like, oh, the, the main thing is we're both watching Coronation Street at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, nope, never watch it again. Screw you, I'm at Michael. the cinema watching Doctor Strange. Somebody else at school said that they, one of the teachers really said they it. saw it the other day. Very good, apparently. I really need to see it. Um... Yeah, so Tyrone catches Fizz. She's got the post left at her house, and she's in a rush. And she's, and um, he he kind of he's telling Tyrone to talk to her about this baking show, and she says, "Oh no, I'm more into dramas now because she's one of the, she seems like one of these women who like whatever their husband does, she does it too. Don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> she has to head off, but Tyrone um, still still's kind of like fooled himself into thinking that later on they're going to watch this together. Yeah, she thinks that she's going to come round when she picks the kids up or something. And they'll watch it. So he's yeah. getting all prepared and he's bought eclairs and everything. And back at... Um, and then the door goes and he excitedly goes to answer it. But it's Phil. He's come to pick the kids up because Fizz has been waylaid. And he tells... Tyrone that Fizz has been talking about how much she fancies the Claire's. I thought this was kind of swept under the carpet a little bit, but this was actually really quite demoralizing in in a in a very deep sense for Tyrone because he's bought these eclairs and he told Fizz that he was going to give her the eclairs and then Fizz wants the eclairs but she doesn't want to hang out with Tyrone. Mm-hmm. So she's brought them up to to Phil and Phil goes, I've got eclairs in my dashboard, in my glove box. Because he's thinking of the sweets, which in the UK are those toffees with the weird chocolate insides. Yes. And he, and she's like, oh, I want proper eclairs. So not only does Phil not know what type of eclairs are her favourite, but Tyrone does, but he also offered to share something with her that she actually really wants to eat, but she'd rather go without having them than go and sit with him and watch the programme that he thinks they both like. So this is like betrayal on all levels. Poor Tyrone. So he sacrifices these eclairs and gives them to Phil because Phil says he can't find any. So Tyrone and Evelyn have to watch the TV together and he doesn't even get to pick the programme. Oh yeah, that's right. He sits down in front of the TV and she's like, I'm watching my programme first. You can watch it on catch up. I love all these little scenes. It's just like cosy scenes of Evelyn and Tyrone. Maureen and Alan have got such a great chemistry together. They're just so cosy and lovely. 
Friday, Tyrone's disappointed to hear that Fizz didn't even bother watching the baking show last night, but she is excited because she's gonna get her new washing machine delivered. And she's just really happy playing house with Phil in her mansion. Um, but she's a bit in, in a dilemma because now she lives further out, she's got to catch the bus, but she's also got to ha take a delivery at lunchtime at her house and she tries to get to the bus, but she misses it. So Tyrone offers her a lift. So he takes her in the car and <laughs> takes her to this house. I'm so glad we got to see the I'm house. Thrilled. This is the, absolutely the sort of thing where probably during COVID days, they would go off to see the house and then the next time we saw them, they'd be coming They're back in saying, oh, it. that house was really big, wasn't it? They had an apple tree in. So it was brilliant that they actually got a bit out on location tonight to see it. And the scene with Abby taking the picture of her, Ben was out on location as well somewhere, wasn't it? Good That's job, true. Coronation Street. That's what we like more, please. See, this is the sort of house that... If somebody like Fizz was to tell me, oh, that's my house, I'd just assume it was a flat inside this giant house. Yeah. It's so big, it looks like it's it about It's a bit of an flats. upgrade for Fizz, isn't it? I can't From number nine, overstate just a tad. how huge this house is. Um, so he's like, whoa, I can't believe this. And she's like, I've got an apple tree. Guess what, Fizz? We've got two apple trees at our house and a plum tree, so I'm not even that impressed. I thought it was so funny that the, the what they went on about about the apple trees, like Tyrone says, "Oh, Kev's never gonna believe it. They've actually got an apple tree. I don't think I've ever seen an apple tree before." <laughs> Poor naive Tyrone. Oh, bless him! But they don't have any little. They've got. Oh yeah, they haven't. They... The terrace side haven't got any where no, to grow a tree. I don't think he's ever lived in a house with a garden. Oh, that's really sad. I honestly, really, it, I've, I wish that everybody. This is where I get a bit communist. I wish that everybody could have a really nice big house. And if I, if we all had to like, if nobody could have a big house because everyone had a, had a really, you know, I think we should even it out. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm not really explaining yeah, myself. Yeah, I know probably. what you're saying. But I just think it's really unfair that some people have to live in little tiny pokey crap houses. I know, I know. When there is enough room, surely, for everybody to have a... Communism. Decent. It's the only solution. <laughs> Uh, it's a housing crisis. It's the only way we can all get an apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> you can brew your own cider. Oh yeah, brilliant. Um, anyway, he gets a tour of the house. He's very impressed. Phil comes home and Tyrone's like faking being chuffed for them. And um, Phil asks him to come in, but he like leaves anyway. I don't understand why Fizz has got all this time. Where was Phil? I thought he didn't have a job. Why is Fizz coming home on the bus to get her washing machine? Why have they got this time to natter? Why doesn't Fizz rush home back because she's only on lunch break? Why doesn't she want to lift back if they're waiting for the washing machine? Surely Phil has to stay in because the washing machine hasn't arrived yet. It doesn't Unless matter. Unless I missed something because I was sulking. It doesn't matter. All it matters is that Tyrone is pining after Fizz, isn't he? And also a bit jealous of the house and apple tree. I'd be more he jealous was, of the house. <laughs> he also, he, didn't he talk about getting a selfie next I'm to the very apple tree as well? We had, he had apple tree selfies, liver selfies. I hate to say this, there's really nothing to see on an apple tree this time of year. And the, the blossoms gone. Yeah, the mm. blossoms have gone. You can't I bet really he didn't even believe it was an apple tree, did he? He no, probably went up to it and said, there's no apples there, I don't you believe don't, you. It doesn't, they didn't look like apple trees. He thinks that they're all year round. <sighs> he goes home. He goes home. Evelyn says, can tell he's upset. And he says he went to see Fizz's new house and he misses her and um, she says, don't get any of your silly ideas. And he looks at all their photos and he's like, none of these are of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the photos of him and Fizz looking happy together, aren't they? I love Tyrone. I, I, I'm I, just very materialistic, so I just love the house. Do you... Go, yeah, um, do you want to... The house of Tyrone, what are we talking about house. first? Go on then. Oh, I thought you were asking me, what do I pick? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was it was a very nice house and, and we didn't even see inside it it could have been a crap hole it could but if you want to see inside no actually because that was a studio wasn't it um, this was the house that they use on the Sarah Jane Adventures and I'm thank you to Morgan on the Facebook group for pointing this out well, Al, but the Al Doctor Who spin-off there. Sarah Jane Adventures that um, that went on about I, I can't, when was it that Elizabeth Sladen died it must have been over 10 years now but yeah um, her house was the exact same house and it was in Cardiff it's in Cardiff so, still Michael so Coronation Street needed to go to Cardiff to film his entire... Are there, no, are there no nice houses in the Greater Manchester area that they could have gone for? I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. There are so many really nice, gorgeous... Yeah. Big houses that you could pretend. I mean, even... What is it? Um, <sighs> Fresh Meat. Mm. They... In that show, that was set in Manchester, and I'm pretty sure that the house is in Manchester that they live in, and it's one of the places that I was talking about where you have a very old genteel neighbourhood with huge houses that nobody can afford to live in anymore, so they break them up into flats. Mm. It doesn't you don't if they're not going inside it, they can take anywhere as long as it's got a nice front door. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, weird because that's like what three, four hours down the road from so Manchester, is, is it? Al on our Facebook group uploaded some pictures of himself, and Morgan also pointed out that it's the the Sarah Jane Smith house. But yeah, it's like three and a half hours drive. It's the south of Wales. So bizarre. There, there must have been a reason behind it. And who owns the house? And does anyone live in it? Or is it and is it just used as a show house for? You know, British TV show. I don't know. It's, it's, it's I tried bizarre. to look this house up to, like, see how much it's worth. And I, it's, like, ne- nearly, you know, nearly a million quid. Like, 800 and something or other. Wow. But there's no pictures of it uh, online. So, um, yeah, I wanted to say about Tyrone then. Have we forgiven him as viewers yet? Because I was always fairly forgiving of Tyrone because he was he, I, I love him anyway and he went when he went off with one of the cheeky girls which I thought was a great line from Evelyn tonight um, he, he did lose quite a bit of favour that he'd got over the years I know that you were definitely on Team Fizz as was I but um, you were not a fan of Tyrone in the slightest midway through last year how are you feeling about him now? I don't my, my opinion hasn't really changed still a dog um I don't understand what's... So what? I just think he's really charming and endearing. And watching... So what? It doesn't mean you get... You're, again, with your incelness and your male entitlement of women because you're a good guy. You just got me through a fluke. It's not because you're a nice guy. It's because you're the only man around. I'm glad... I'm glad that this storyline hasn't made me hate Tyrone because so many stories over the years have said, oh, let's cause a bit of drama by making a really nice character turn into a bit of an ass." You're right. And, and, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that character anymore. Like, um, Well, they've done I, it to I, Tyrone, I think... and, I mean, to Toyo and Imran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I, st- I, still, I still do like Imran and I'm, I've still got some sympathy for him even though I don't just because I really love Imran. Um, but, and I, and I don't, yeah, but but somebody like um, like Billy, for example, I really, really, really enjoyed Billy when he first came in, and and when they kind of said, "Well, oh, that we can't have him be nice all the time. Let's have him take drugs and fall off a cliff and and be responsible for Susan, not Susan Barlow. Yeah, well, Susan Barlow's murder. I just don't like him quite so much these days. But Tyrone, and I was worried that I'm not going to like Tyrone anymore. But I still absolutely love him, and I think that you know he's just. He's very, he's very kind of proud sort of person. He doesn't like to show when he's jealous about things, and he's like, he's like, can puff himself up and go, oh yeah, well I've got a bigger one. I, I, I don't know. It's I wouldn't, I would uh, never sleep again if I was Tyrone. 
<laughs> um, but you know, it does go to show you because you'd murder me in the night. <laughs> just go to show you that um, you know Fizz could and did do back do better than Tyrone. So mm. what an arrogant sod he was. But to does think. she really like dramas, or would she rather be watching baking programs? Because I'm thinking that she'd rather be. Uh, I do get the down feeling those Victoria sponges. that there will be a bit at the end where she goes, "Oh, I don't even like dramas anymore." Like because she, she was saying, "I don't like watch- drama." I'm going to move back to Coronation Street. <laughs> Hang on a minute, <laughs> the thing doesn't click there. They were definitely saying it was some kind of Danish like subtitles, uh, sort of dark, kind of moody. Yeah. Wearing a fishing jumper. I don't think that Phil seems the sort to be into those programmes. Who knows? It takes all sorts, doesn't it? Kirk at work. Let's find out what's been going on in Underworld. What this farce of a business this week. So, um, <laughs> Kirk has now been put on the phone because... Um, what was he doing last week that Carla and Sarah got fed up with him doing? Honking his horn every time that there was a sale. That's right. Well, So now he's been put on the phone. Um, and Sarah says, look, all you need to do is pick up the phone and transfer calls to the sales team. Don't get into conversations with them. And so phone rings up, does the job, but he still sounds like a total idiot doing it. Um, because it turns out that he's got some kind of phone phobia, which you can relate to, can't you? You don't like speaking to people on the phone. But you like Kirk. And when the <laughs> phone rings, you just stare there and like, look at it while it's beeping this at you. This is one and of the like, many oh. reasons why I'm a terrible journalist. Because you don't like talking. I don't like talking on the phone. I'd rather, like, when somebody, when somebody like, emails me, oh, do you mind if I give you a quick call? It, like, puts me into an existential crisis. And I just think, I literally can't get out of this. There's no way I can be professional and be like... I don't want to talk to you on the phone. And the worst thing that's happened mad? about this pandemic, Gemma, in your opinion, is that how much the rise of video conferencing has risen because of it. Well, there's there's definitely somebody that I have done several had several encounters with who keeps making a point to say, I don't understand why we can't do this on Zoom. And I'm like, what is wrong with a phone call? We've, like, since the invention of the telephone, we've managed to do phone calls where we don't look at each other. I, I, I like doing video calls, but... Good it, for you. I, I've had been forced to do them It's because the you don't like weeks, watching yourself like on the screen, watching an it? animated potato, and I hate it. It just reminds me of how horrible I my face looks. I don't even look in the mirror when I brush my teeth. Why do I want to stare? And you can't avoid looking at yourself. They make you look at yourself. If you could hide it, that would be fine. Why do you need to see my face? Just imagine me as like an ethereal elf floating around like... The ghost of Christmas uh, yet past. to come. Or past, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's that? Oh, the ghost. I'll be a ghost if I have to You'd be. like to be him because you can't see his face. He's so thin as well. <laughs> <laughs> Black and slimming, yeah. Anyway, so Kirk's there, not able to answer the phone because he's, he's terrified of it. So when it rings, Jacob comes in. And um, despite Kirk desperately telling him not to, Jacob gets into a bit of a sales pitch style conversation with whoever it is that's ringing up. Carla gets back to work later and Sarah says, We've ju- we're- Kirk's knocking it out of the park. I've got an email from someone or other who says that they were talking to Kirk on the phone earlier and now they want to order 20,000 pairs of knickers. Blimey, Kirk is a sales genius. Well done, Kirk. Um, there's a big Roger commission coming your way, mister. And Kirk, and, and I do think this is very much in character of him because because um, he is as honest as the day is long. He kind of gets ashamed and he, he wants to jump in and say, it wasn't me. But Jacob says, oh yeah, Kirk is an ace salesman, isn't he? Because again, Jacob's quite a nice guy and he's grateful to Kirk for helping him keep the job recently as well. So um, he, he says, Kirk, toot your horn, you've made a sale. Good on you. Um, Wednesday, 
Kirk is still feeling guilty um, about what happened on Monday, but uh, and today he's being set up to talk with um, Needham, who is um, a notoriously difficult person to, to deal with in the underworld, uh, in, in the underwear world. And so they kind of G him up, Kirk, and um, but he bails on it at the last minute. He picks up the phone. He's like, "We sell knickers. Just buy them today." And puts the phone down, which is brilliant. And he he says, "Well, I, I can't help lie any longer, Sarah. It was Jacob that sold those twenty thousand pairs of knickers uh, the other day." So Sarah's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a bit in a situation here." And you made a good tweet about this, one, didn't you? What a dilemma! Sarah's got Kirk, who's really good at packing, but he works in sales. And then you got Jacob, who's working in packing, packing. but is good at sales. I what do know. I do? Oh, it's so inconvenient. Sarah, oh, don't worry, I've been in a course about this, doing the old switcheroo. And so, yeah, there we go. Kirk's back to, to packing, and he gives a quick hooray. And um, it, it, does Jacob actually get a sales job at the end, or is it just implied that that's where I he's going to I think Sarah just up? hasn't got that far in her deduction yet. She's like, oh, he's rubbish. If only there was somebody who would replace him. So the sales team is now Michael, Faye, Toya and Jacob, is it? Do they really get that much business? Have they got enough capacity to make the £20,000 pairs of knickers yeah, that they've already really good sold? Point. How many people are actually working on the sewing machines there? Didn't didn't they transition from from manufacturing to packaging? Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But then why have they still got machinists? Yeah. So they... None of it makes sense. Who is it? So there's, Sally's there sewing, isn't she? Sean... Beth. Fizz. No, Fizz isn't. Oh, yeah, 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 Fizz. Sorry, Fizz is... It's Fizz. Well, Fizz was moaning about asking for work time off work. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sarah was giving her a hard time unless she works in... Maybe she works in HR. They just need to phone up um, Izzy and say, can you do us, I don't know... 19,000 pairs of knickers, please, and we'll make the rest. She's not doing anything at the moment, is she? Anyway, I, I found... Despite this being a Kirk-centred story, and we all know what I think about Kirk at the moment, I felt that this was entertaining and enough. It was fluffy filler. I, I found, I actually found Kirk kind of funny this week for the first time How in a while. How dare you? I thought that him and his telephone um, fears were, were quite amusing to watch. Um, it was all... I, I thought it was just utterly, utterly ridiculous that Sarah believed that Kirk was this magical sales guru... It's ridiculous. And the way that she kind of felt, she kind of was acting like she was blackmailed somehow by being nice, that she couldn't tell him not to do it. Like, you're the most incompetent boss in the world. Just tell your employee, are you gen- Are you really going to put your business in jeopardy because you're too nice to tell Kirk he's not good at sales? Well, yeah, that was that, that was stupid. But, but yeah, that when she thought that he actually was good at sales, surely, surely she must have smelled a rat because he's... Well, he sold that one She's thing to that guy. She's known this guy for 20 years. They He's sold... not going to be the sort of person that would be good at this. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so, so silly. And I, I loved it. Well, I can't remember. We haven't got to the storyline yet. Was it the um, Tim and Sally storyline today where Sarah says Sarah doesn't count as a boss or something? She, she Sally says, does. Yeah, Sally says that. Yeah. She says, oh, you've got Mrs. Connor. And of course, Sarah doesn't count. Yeah. It just says it all, really. It's true. She is... I, I just, but That's again, look, this is, this is the female issue of worrying more about being considered nice than doing almost anything else, mm. which is not something that all women have a problem with, obviously, but certainly I can, I, that kind of feels like it's Sarah's issue. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that storyline. Did you enjoy that? Did you Did you find it dull? Did you find it entertaining? Not, did you kind of switch off when cake. it came on? I wasn't either, but I... I just I, find, I find it fine. kind of hilarious how incompetent they all are, but... Um, it's it's, it's a bit sad for sure the history of the factory. There's been a factory in Coronation Street for, you know, 50 years or... No, not since the beginning, I suppose, of the Raincoat Factory, and now this is what we're reduced to, just comedy capers. And it's not a very good reflection upon female bosses either, because the majority of the time it's been Carla or, a, a, you know, a parade of male bosses... And Carla, like, lurched from disaster to disaster. Now you've got Sarah, who can't... Haven't got two brain cells to rub together. Well, to be fair, the, um... It didn't do so well under Frank Foster or... No, I know, but... Tony either. No, um, but you can you see how they felt like they were more competent? Carla has been extremely competent in the past. She's just not so much these days. I agree with you. Um, right, George Snorwell, Gemma. We had a little bit more of this one on Monday, didn't we? Because that that was when last Friday's episode ended with that brilliant scene with Eileen in bed with George, like, wide awake in the middle of the night, and him there with his uh, snoring his head off. Can I can I just quickly go back to ask you a question about the toy out stuff? Yes. Um, when we talked about Beth and and Sally being mean to her, did we say why we thought they were? Well, they just came across as being. No, 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 no. So, Beth is just mean to everybody because that's her character. Yeah, and, and, and Sally is Abby's friend. Did we say that? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. What, <laughs> what made that pop into your I head? sort of read a comment on on Facebook where somebody was wondering why on earth Sally was being so bitter. Oh, okay. But it was because they were special friends in, in prison. <laughs> special friends in prison? Well, like, like, Tra- Tracy. like Tracy and all the women <laughs> she was shacked up with, apparently. I don't understand why Abby turned to drugs when she's got yoga. Yeah. yeah. Right, George Snorwell, Monday, everyone's had a bad night. Apart, Apart from, from George. George, he's slept like a, a baby. Because um, they're noisy, aren't they? Evelyn speaks to George about the noise last night that she could hear, and he admits it was him, and she tells him straight, no strips, I'm not going to cut it. So, later on, Todd finds George dressed, as he calls it, like Darth Vader, with this CPAP mask, because George has gone to see Dr. Gaddis and been diagnosed with sleep apnea, and he's been given the CPAP mask immediately. <laughs> just like, just well, going. he got an appointment immediately. He gets a CPAP mask. She's like, oh yeah, I've got one of them in my drawer. Here you go. All different I've got, sizes. I've got, I've got quite a, sample, a few. Yeah. Um, Eileen comes in and says that will be fine. The mask is nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, and he does his Vader impression and freaks her out. And I don't think that there's any like conclusion. Is this the conclusion? Because the CPAP machine Maybe, is obviously yeah. a, a vast improvement on him snoring, but also it's not silent, is it? It's still going to be kind of disturbing for Eileen to listen to this noise. Yeah, it felt this like machine. this is the end of the story. They all lived happily ever after. He's got a CPAP machine. It doesn't really. There's only so much you can drag a snoring story out, really, isn't there? I thought it was quite funny that all the Darth Vader stuff on that episode, and when he goes, "I am your father" and stuff. I thought and, that was uh, a bit low hanging fruit. It was a bit. I and the other we, when we were watching this, we thought he looked a lot more like Bane from that Batman, exactly. which was the Batman one that he was the Bane was in the third Dark one. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, maybe. I think he should have gone there. Hello, Eileen. Welcome back. Spam sand sandwiches for tea. Mm. He's going to be the new James Bond. Bane impression. You know? I'm going to be the new Bane. Um, finally, we had the Timperton storyline. Nothing really. 
Tim's got his hospital appointment today and he don't want Sally going along because he don't want her going into any more detail than is necessary about his little problem. So he goes along to the medical centre but doesn't go inside because there's a sign outside saying we don't have scenes in here anymore, COVID. No, he's literally a little bit nervous. Kurt comes along, witters on about this fungus that he's got that Dr. Gadda says she's never seen anything like it before. <laughs> and t- that, that freaks Tim out so he goes off. Um, but he doesn't tell Sally that. He says, when Sally comes home later, he says, oh, Gadda said it's perfectly normal for somebody like me who's just been through a heart bypass operation. It's all fine. And then he, um, I know I can't go for cuddles tonight because I've got to work at late at streetcars, but he doesn't, so he makes Steve give him a job. And that was it, really. Nothing happened, really. Sickly did it. Tim's still denying. Well, he's voggling He's still his... in denial. Oh, yeah, he was, he's voggling erectile dysfunction, wasn't he? Yeah. So, um... I'm sure there's something for us to learn here, but maybe we have to wait for next week to Go see Go to it. the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you're a man, don't feel embarrassed. About boggling erectile dysfunction. Well, no, if you're a man, you're almost certainly going to be taken more seriously than a woman mm. who has a similar issue. Well, not a similar issue. <laughs> not exactly the same. But, like, when men go to the doctor, they get taken a lot more seriously than women do because they very rarely go. Is that, is that, is that how it works? Well, yeah. I know women, that men go to the doctor less less often. Women don't get taken seriously when they go, especially also a women of colour. We shouldn't be so hysterical, should you really? <gasps> <laughs> Gemma, what are you rating? <laughs> 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 how long I can do that for? <laughs> what are you rating this week's Coronation Street out of five? Ooh. Good week. Good week. I hate it today. Invested. I too riled up. Just, just what I was we, when we. We've basically got our own sofas in the lounge, haven't we? And I was sitting on my sofa and you were sitting over there on your sofa and I was watching and you were there <laughs> tapping around your iPad. I was like, Gemma seems to be in a bit of a mood today. Maybe I shouldn't say anything, but she's tapping around her iPad. Does she know what's going on in today's Coronation Street? And, and yeah, you, you just got a little bit riled up by the, the Toya Imran Abbey situation, didn't you? But I also was being scammed by somebody on Instagram. What? Oh yeah, you said people were messaging you things. Mm. What did they say? They just like messaged me going, oh, can you help me? And I was like, yeah, well, like I don't really know you, but what do you need? And they're like, oh, I need to, um, I need somebody to, and it, c- can you vote for me in a competition? I was like, all right. And like, I'll send you a link. You've got to take a screenshot of it and then I'll send it to my sponsor. And I was like, oh, this sounds weird. <laughs> and then I got a, a text message from Facebook going, Sign in here to your Instagram account. I was like, this is no, That's, this That is does not, sound dodgy. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Well, I, I am going to give this week's Coronation Street, um, oh, I think three and a half out of five this week because the summer stuff just didn't hit the mark with me any at all. Um, I didn't, I wasn't feeling as sad about the, um, Toya in Man Abbey storyline as it was last week, even though it is massively doomed, it didn't feel quite so much like the Batters Beebs were being thrown under a bridge bus. I mean, <laughs> my words wrong well, again. You can also... But um, I, th- I thought I was okay. I thought it was okay, and I and I absolutely loved all the all the Peter and Aggie stuff. But that's just not quite exciting enough for a four. So I am giving this week's Coronation Street three and a half alcoholic taxi drivers making spurious claims about yours truly. What about you? Yours truly? What, you? Yes. Peter's just, making I, stuff up about you? I'm just saying what Mr. Oh, okay. Thorne said. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> um, um, I, I didn't really like, I think, I don't think this, the, 
the hubby babby baby stuff was handled well this week i don't feel like anybody's gonna come out of it thinking that because the trouble is i think that coronation street has tried to course correct a little bit by making everybody really mean to toya and imran and sort of calling them babies natural to their face and stuff, which I think is kind of disrespectful almost to the arguments that you might have if you were on Abby's side. You know, like, look at how, like, um, you're mean because you're on the side of, like, Sally and Beth. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, this is what you're like. You're like an like somebody who calls somebody a baby. Do you want to be like Beth? Exactly. I don't, I don't think, feel that it's fair to represent their arguments with those two characters being as mm. mean and cruel as they were. But I think they did it for a story, um, for story reasons to balance it out a bit, to make it feel a bit more like, oh, it's a bit of a grey situation. I don't think that was the best way of doing it. Um, Is there, who, who would you have, you have got being on the anti toy side? I don't think you need to bully a character to make other people feel sorry for thinking that the character was wrong. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know how what the best way of doing it was. If I did, maybe they would hire me. So the way that that storyline went lowered the score for you this week, did it? It did. Be, like I said, I think I feel it was clumsily handled. I really enjoyed the, the Mr. Thorne stuff. Um, yeah, the, the summer stuff was a bit of a dud. And um, I don't care about Tim. I hope his penis falls off. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this week three and a half apple tree selfies. Lovely. Not liver selfies. Um, I don't know. If I was picking which one, what, what would I rather have? Foie gras or apples? <laughs> <laughs> um, character of the week. Oh, sorry, I've just got to give it to Mr. Thorne. Yeah. <laughs> he's just brilliant. And he's, he's not going to win it long. He's brilliant. He's, he's, he's so, so watchable. It's like every he time is. he's got in the scene, he's like, oh yeah, it's a Mr. Thorne scene because he's just such a massive ass. It's like, he's a total, total love to hate character. And he's one of these, like, you. everybody has known somebody like this in their life, haven't they? Like, mm. it's fallen on their feet, like, completely blessed by life oblivious to their privilege takes advantage I don't advantage. think well, he's not oblivious to it but he, he knows he's right, privileged and true. he likes to rub it in everyone's faces yeah yeah. But it's just so much fun to watch so absolutely Mr Thorne's my character of the week good job um, so that is it for this week's Street Talk let's move on to the news so we have got some news for you and there is some great news to start off the podcast this week not the podcast the cabin bit of the podcast this week Gemma Coronation Street's only gone and won a BAFTA, flipping BAFTA this week. Yay! Congratulations, Coronation Street. This is Coronation Street's first BAFTA since 2015, so it's been a long time coming, this one. And, um, yeah, really, really chuffed. So this was the BAFTA for the Soap and Continuing Drama Award. Not medical series, as, you know, however many hospital scenes they try and shove in there to try and get on the nominations list. But no, they got the best soap. Well done. And to pick up the award on um, so Sunday, this was, uh, wasn't it, I think, were Sally... Uh, Deneva. I don't even get that name then. Sally Deneva and... Charlie DeMello. So that was pretty cool. Our friend Charlie was there to get the award, wasn't Very it? Very exciting. Really, really excited for him. He, we were talking to him on Friday, I think, and he said, oh, I'm going to do on, on Sunday. And I was like, oh, you're the BAFTAs. Is anyone else going? And he's like, yeah, let's wait and see. So, but no, it was just those two. He got picked. And um, what an outfit he wore as well. 
Gemma, did you enjoy Charlie's fashion? Oh, he looked so dashing. They all look really good, actually. I don't know if they coordinated, but um, Sally Black wore... Black and white was the theme. Was that the theme of the whole evening? I don't know, but that oh. was a Corrie team theme. Yeah, so so Sally Devonor wore a really nice black shift dress, like a sleeveless one, and then you also got to see Verity McLeod, who, um, is she got the magnificent producer? magnificent cape. What, what is her I can't role? remember what she does at the moment. But she's got really cool, she had a kind of Daenerys kind of dress, didn't she? Because she had a caped Verity McLeod's dress. the one that blocked me on, on Instagram. <laughs> that's, all, that's all she does in, <laughs> in my head. And Charlie DeMello, who's wearing a very nice white tuxedo with a black, um, what's it called? Bow tie. Like did... James Bond, this was his audition. He looked very dashing. Then this was, you know, within a week of him dressing up in that lovely, whatever colour that Imran wedding oh, suit yeah, was. Oh yeah, he's looking, looking quite like a the, lovely plum. the charmer. He can wear any colour suit, can Charlie. And uh, this picture, that we, I mean, this is on the Birmingham Mail, but this picture was all over the place of him giving the side eye to Sally Denver like she's just done a little fart. Why do you keep accusing him of doing farts or smelling them? <laughs> I don't know, you just got this he look just about got a cheeky, him. saucy little slap <laughs> Mello. <laughs> that is fantastic. And um, so Coronation Street won BAFTA for Soap and Continuing Drama, which they dedicated on screen to um, Sophie and Sylvia Lancaster. And I don't know that we mentioned this on the podcast or not recently, but um, Sophie Lancaster's mum, Sylvia, sadly passed away um, a couple of weeks ago as well, didn't she? So that was absolutely lovely that Sally so just, was able... Oh, go on. To remind everybody, Sophie Lancaster's murder was the um, the real-life story that inspired the hate crime story that Coronation Street did, and they worked with Sylvia Lancaster and the charity foundation that she set up to sort of bring awareness against hate crimes to do with, uh, like, discriminating against people because of the way that they look or dress. Exactly. So, Thank um, you. Yeah, so that was dedicated then, which was lovely. Not that you'd know if you were watching the BAFTAs on TV, eh, Gemma? And we were, we kind of had it on a little bit. We know that lots of people, Soaps fans, stayed watching the whole two hours just waiting to see who would be the best soap, although it was announced on social media beforehand. And which is a bit of a spoiler, and then maybe I spoiled it to somebody else who was waiting to watch it on TV again. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't really know. But yeah, it was. Um, Gemma, what were your thoughts about the Baftas um, snubbing the Soap Awards on TV? Or was it? The, is it the Baftas we blame or the BBC? I don't know. But somebody is um, in the firing line, Gemma. I feel like a bit of a performing monkey that's been brought out to like. Do like throw some poo at people and then go back into my little cage. We, we need a Gemma rant about I'm, this. I show, think I've you ranted quite, myself quite out. Mad on I'm Twitter furious. on Sunday, weren't you? So the Baftas was like a two-hour-long show, and usually the soap category is the last one. And I don't know why they decided to do it that way, but that's been the traditional. And it's because you know soaps are big, big business, aren't they? They're you know every every. I suppose they yeah they have been decreasing in um, viewership over the year but it feels like you know as, as big ensemble casts and there are something that's quite uniquely British in the way that we do them um, more to cool the moment kind of programmes and and it's it's one of the most hotly contested ones so it's not a surprise that they often leave it until the end so I think lots of people watching the awards thought oh they're leaving the soaps to the end as per usual but no no so that you got to the very end of the show and then they were like bye everybody and then they went also people who won include and then they just came up with a bunch of like categories that they've decided to cut arbitrarily feel felt like yeah there was yeah just cut in the broadcast because because it wasn't live that's the thing well you know 
in a in a normal award show, you have here's the category, here are the nominees, here's why they've been nominated, here's the winner. Let's watch them walk up awkwardly. They're gonna do a speech now. Bugger off! It's time for the next one. It didn't have any of that. It was literally like and best uh, soap and continuing drama to Coronation Street. And then they didn't, like, would they have a, one... They had about five seconds of Sally, of Sally saying, thanks for the brilliant. award. Bye. It's so disrespectful. It was really, really insulting to not just the art that is involved in, like, doing a soap and continuing drama. They're, they're no less worthy of an award than anything else. It felt incredibly snobbish and ignorant. I think it did. I mean, all of the other ones that were kind of shoved into that bit at the end, I mean, I'm not even saying that Soap deserves it more than them. I mean, if they're going to have an awards show where everybody gets a chance to... Well, there was all these categories. Really they should every, all they, get, they should they all should get all, a chance. All of they them, should have had I a would, longer show. I feel but, that, Coronation, but the Soap, it being often the biggest one, it was even more baffling that it just got massively snubbed. And what I'm not thinking, because it was shown on the BBC, had EastEnders won it, would they have shown it? It doesn't even matter to me whether Coronation Street won or, or not. Doctors. Because I would be equally as annoyed if they had cut any, any winner from that category and acted like they didn't, it didn't matter. But not only did they disrespect everybody who works really hard on all the soaps that were nominated, plus the winners... But they also disrespected soap fans by treating us like we're somehow lesser than all the other boring, bloody police procedural drama category <laughs> number five. We do like Line of Duty. I know it's like, oh, and here's the group. We're going to give out the award for best crime drama set in a seaside town. And now we're going to give out the best award for drama, <laughs> police drama set in a northern town. <laughs> now we're going to give out the best award for police drama with a... With a, a male detective with a with a sad background, <laughs> and now we're going to give out the award for the police drama with the the hero who's a lady who's got no children, <laughs> and now the foreign language category for best foreign police drama. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like oh, it's hey, who's going to win? Who's going to win this one? Oh, I wonder. Oh, nitty gritty nana detective agency, <laughs> boring rubbish. Anyway. <laughs> Not only did they disrespect <laughs> that, but they also disrespected the fact that this was dedicated to two women, one of which was one of whom was murdered, and the other dedicated the rest of her life trying to tell that story and prevent it from happening to other people. And was that recently was, awarded an MBA. I don't even know whether Sylvia died. got her MBA because of her death. Yeah, Sylvia only just passed away, and they cut out the tribute. It was so and, and so. So, so unbafflingly <laughs> disrespectful. Who who thought... Oh, we'll just was there ever like, oh, we're always planning to cut the soap. What are they going to say? Oh, they said something that maybe we shouldn't cut, but we said we'd cut it anyway. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Lancasters. I'm just think, I, I, I think that it's easy for people who don't watch soaps to not understand how important they are. Um, they tell real honest stories that happen to real people. Sometimes they're ridiculous and, and things that they, they depict would never happen. But a lot of the times they're telling stories that are based on real life. And they, and they did that and they dedicated it to two women who had just, who had died. And then they cut that because they're, 
they it felt like it was just as ignorant as the sort of people that will tell you oh i don't watch shapes they're all a load of crap mm. who's in charge of this it's just snobbery at its purest amount really really was um, but but our rant on Twitter about it did gain us a uh, an article on Digital Spy this week, didn't it? That's the most important thing. <laughs> it, it did. We, yeah, we got an article there, which is lovely. I just but thought so. So I didn't want anything to spoil their very much deserved win, and you know Charlie and and Sally deserved to be to have their moment in the sun, and I don't want anybody to take that away from them. But I also want to, to acknowledge how incredibly snobbish. Why have the category at all? Nobody's making you have a category. Just take it out if you don't want it. I, yeah, I, it just I, feels so... It's, and honestly, Coronation Street has been, and soaps, have been part of the British entertainment since the 60s. Mm. Why are you going to pretend that they don't exist? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's very, ridiculous. Very, very... Bafflingly so. I, I mean, there I are so many important categories. I was making fun of and being a bit a bit silly about all crime the police dramas. Dramas, dramas. But yeah. but you know, all of those categories are there in theory because we're honouring the place that they have in our lives and and like the the entertainment that they provide and the education that they provide and the technical skills that they show off and the talent that goes into making them. A soap is no less. An, an achievement to to produce and make and star in and write than anything else. And if you don't understand that, then why are you working in the BAFTAs? Mm-hmm. I agree. Good good take on that. Absolutely. For shame, BAFTAs or BBC, Honestly, whoever it was responsible for I can, for I can this. tell that to anybody you want me to. Mm. If you want me to phone somebody up, I'll do it, even I, though I'm I, scared. I was, wait, I was waiting, maybe, that for us to get a call from Radio Manchester or something to see whether you wanted to have a rant on air. I don't think I could do it. I think I'd just run out of breath and start panting. <laughs> yeah, that puff. And then they said, like just before you go, what do you think about the Abbey and Toya storyline at the moment? Baby Snatcher, bye. <laughs> um, speaking of awards, the British Soap Awards shortlist has been revealed this week. And um, we had... Um, this was had Sally Carmen, um, Simon Gregson, Charlie DeMello. I think it was those three that were on the long list. And um, Sally Carmen has, is the one who has gone through to the short list for Coronation Street. So commiserations to the other two. I'm sure it was very, very close. I'm a bit confused. Isn't she got two, two of the basically the same nominations? What do you mean? Isn't she got like best dramatic performer and best good at soap acting? Um, I believe you might be right. Yeah, I think she has. Again, another reason why the, it's a farce. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying if if they had had a best male soap actor and a best female soap actor, I'm very confident it would have been Sally Carmen and Charlie Demello that would have got through. So it's a bit sucky for Charlie, to be honest. But anyway, Sally is the uh, sole representative of Coronation Street. She's going to be going against Gillian Wright and Linda Henry from EastEnders and Paige Sandu and Mark Charnock from Emmerdale. Um, I mean, we've been watching the very end of some Emmerdale episodes recently, haven't we? And Mark Charnock has been absolutely brilliant in Emmerdale because his character Marlon has had a stroke recently and he's doing a pretty good acting job there. So um, there is certainly some stiff competition for our cell, but, um, you know, as whatever we side we're taking in the Charlie, not Charlie, the Imran Toya Abbey storyline, we are definitely massive, massive Sally Carmen fans and we wish her the very best of luck and encourage you all to go out and vote for them 
Um, and the Allahans for Best Family, and of course, Coronation Street for the Best Soap. The awards themselves are going to be on telly on Saturday, the 11th of June, so we've got just under a month to get your votes in if you haven't voted yet. And um, you can also buy tickets to go and see it. Um, although there, there, we had a look the other day, and there really aren't very many left now. They might have all gone at this point, but um, we've been to the Soap Awards a few times before, and it is a lot of fun. So if you think that you might like to do that, get on the British Soap Awards website and book yourself some tickets now. The other thing that happened with the Soap Awards this week was um, very mysterious, and it was um, about the best uh, young performer category, wasn't it? Because um, when two weeks ago the long list came out, on certain websites, including the official Corrie website, they released a long list of all the panel voted categories. And that, that, have you just been looking that up for the, well, for the Sally Carmen award? So you've got Sally Carmen is the, the for the you can the public can vote for the best leading performer. Yeah. And Sally Carmen is shortlisted, but she's also shortlisted, as we've already said, um, as best dramatic performance. Mm. I don't understand why they don't say best soap performer judge judges choice best soap performer public choice yeah because there's there's no difference anyway so that well the... they're kind of trying to they're trying to obfuscate the the, the kind of like sim- the process aren't they by by kind of calling them both a similar thing but not explaining what mm. either of them actually mean when actually they are kind of different things but they are also the same thing I think Sally Carmen deserves this award. She's a fantastic performer. Um, so I don't want... I yeah. don't, but I just think it's a bit... It is very weird. So anyway, I was talking about this, this scandal with the Young Persons Soap Award because when the long list came out two weeks ago, Jude Riordan was up there on the list for Best Young Performer. And then before long the Coronation Street website and I think it appeared somewhere else took down all the long list we still talked about it on the podcast because it was news nobody told us not to talk about nobody it nobody can tell us what to nobody say nobody can tell us what to say you can't tell us what to say yeah, they, but, they can no they can't I'm sorry but you can't tell us what to but say but then this week when the official reveal of the long list no the short list came out with the panel voter categories Jude Riordan had mysteriously disappeared from it and been replaced with Millie Gibson don't know what's going on there I, I know what's going on. What? I think Jude, Jude Riordan is a fantastic performer. I think she's he's had some really great scenes. But you can't compare what he's been asked to do with what Millie has has been asked to do and, and achieved. I, I think that... I don't, when, I first, when I saw that Jude was there instead of Millie, I was, I was disappointed for Millie because I thought she deserved to be recognised in some category. I don't know what category that was, but young performer seemed like the most obvious one. Mm-hmm. She couldn't, I don't... It couldn't have been in a, in a skankiest character category because Sally, um, Abby would have uh, won that, uh, one. that one as well. Yeah. I, I think M- Millie Gibson is an absolutely fantastic, wonderful performer. I think that she is a really nice person, but it doesn't that doesn't matter. It's to do with her performance. I don't think anybody could have watched her her final scenes with um, with Laura with Cal and gone. Oh, I don't know who to select. Mm. I think I think Jude has not been given as much to do, and I also think he's got a lot of years ahead of him to to show us some other things that he can do. And um, Millie's gonna grow out of the category fairly quickly. Yeah, he's been he's been given a fair amount to do, but it's mostly been 
being mute and playing chess and he's been very good at that but you're right the, the, the gravitas and the weight of the scenes that Millie's been given has certainly been a, a lot more the thing about these the thing about these actor awards is that they kind of hide how collaborative they are with the show it kind of like makes you think that the actor is all that you're looking at here but the actor can only perform what they've been given and they can only do what they've been read the lines that they've been given to say yeah so jude could not have made more of the role than he did he did a fantastic job but it certainly wasn't on a par with what millie had been given and both of them did excellent work with the with the the roles that they were given but millie had more yeah that she started off with so it makes sense to me that she was nominated it's i i totally agree but i I think it's really, really must have been pretty sucky and sad for poor Jude this week. I don't know whether he found out on Tuesday at the same time as anyone else or for whatever reason that they decided to change it. And I don't know whether it was just like, oh, yeah, we forgot about Millie or whether there was something else who can say. Um, But, yeah, for him to be told this little, you know, 11-year-old kid, oh, yeah, actually, you're not going to be nominated. That we're going to give it to someone else. That's like... That's pretty that sucks. That's really, really But we really don't sucky. know why the information but, was released in the first place. No, exactly. We, we don't know anything. I don't, I don't really think it was don't supposed to be out there. I, I think it was put out there before it should have been. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, poor Jude. He had his birthday this week. He did his sats this week. Don't feel... You don't, you don't, you're putting kind of emotions onto him that you don't know that he feels. I mean, he is... He won his, his award. He, yeah, he has won plenty of awards in the past, hasn't um, he? Including Conversation Street Award. Exactly. The, the most important award, to be fair. So, I don't... You know, I, I don't want to kind of... I, the thing is, I... It's because of me. I, the worst thing I can imagine is being pitied by people. So, I don't want to kind of, like, act like that to somebody else when yeah. who knows how he feels about it. I'm sure he, he's gutted, but, um, you know... That's showbiz, isn't it? Good good luck, Millie. Good luck, Millie. Um, Now, also this week, um, speaking of competitions, we've had the games on ITV, haven't we? Which has been the latest reality TV show, Let's Get Celebs to Do Something Together, that maybe they're not the best at. Some of them are. Some of them have been training for this all their lives. Oh, we've got this guy who's going to be... He's going to do the... the, um... The hurdles, but he he can't do the hurdles because he's normally just an Olympic sprinter. <laughs> um, so they've not been dancing, they've not been <laughs> ice skating, they've uh, they've not been competitive eating. No, they've been doing Olympic sports this week. And um, the reason that this is pertinent to this particular discussion is there have been a Coronation Street star among their numbers, and that is Colson Smith, notorious COVID slimmer and runner. And we've seen his journey from um, you know. From from Colson of old to um, Colson evolved. Col- Colson evolved, nice. Yeah. Over the last yeah. couple of years, and um, I'm so so proud of the work that he's done in his, his journey the last two years. And then, like you know, I, wonderful, good I, job for, for for somebody to go from being not particularly sporty at all to he's obsessed Sporting. by it it's all he goes on about as far as sport and films he can't he can't talk about anything else at the moment but yeah he was in the games this week alongside um ryan thomas who used to play jason grimshaw on the street and also and i can't remember what her name is but the lady who used to play sunita desai back about 20 years ago um it started off we, we watched a bit of the first episode didn't we and you know we don't particularly like that sort of show 
Um, we we oh certainly God. wouldn't have had the chance to, wouldn't have had the time this week to have settled down in front of all of them, but we certainly were there in spirit for Colson and the, the other Coronation Street people. Thank you very much. And also, excuse me, you're missing out on somebody else quite important who's also there, who's an ex Coronation Oh, yes, Street Mel B star. was in the audience, wasn't she? She, she was played in... Amy Nelson. Yeah. Which one was... Was Amy Nelson the one that was the... Because I know that Mel B was there as a supermarket um, checkout girl, but I didn't think that she got an, um, a name. It was Amy Nelson. I think she was Andy McDonald's girlfriend, the one where the actress couldn't be in it for the final scene, so they had to get Mel B in there to play her in the dark. Do you remember? And they just had Andy leaning against someone. Yeah, yeah. Amy Nelson was originally played by someone else, but her last appearance... They had to get Mel B in. Yeah, to she do. was. I um. I just. I just honestly just googled Mel B yeah. on uh, Carpedia. <laughs> she was uncredited for playing the role of Better by Worker. The, the biggest shock Amy of the week. Nelson. The biggest shock of the week case. for me is that Mel B's daughter, who I literally remember when Mel B was pregnant with her, is now old enough to be competing in these things, and she's like in her early twenties or something now, isn't it? It's nuts. But anyway. Colson, um, he's, apparently he started off the week quite well. He came fourth in the hammer in the 400 metres. Um, but as the week went on, he wasn't doing quite so well in some of the other competitions. And tonight was the final um, where, yeah, sadly, he came last at the end, didn't he? Um, did, Ryan Thomas came second. Hooray! But he did... What? What are you looking at? Give me that look for. People want to know why we got on. A lot. Go on. Yeah, no, he, he came last, but he was um, really, really popular with the crowds and he got lots of cheers. Now, I think everyone's been so, so supportive of, of seeing him getting up and doing this. And he's got, he's such a, a cheery, bubbly guy, isn't he? He did the Corrie Good News stuff during the during all the COVID. Oh, yeah. And he was so, you know, infectiously positive and, and lovely that I think that, you know, whatever his, however he got on on the games, people just naturally took to his lovely, warm personality. So... That counts for something, doesn't it? Ryan Thomas ended up came and coming second. Don't know whether the where this Sarka bird ended up. Don't know who don't know who the winner was. We, we weren't watching it, but um, anyway, irrelevant. It, that happened this week. We didn't really watch it. Good Thank job, you, Rebecca, Hillary. who was sending us updates. Rebecca's during the very week. good at sending us updates. Very, very good at that. Yeah. That was good. And uh, just to finish off the cabin this week, we have got some baby news. Um, Sam Aston is a father again. Congratulations to him. He and his wife, um, Bryony, welcomed a daughter to their family just recently. And I think they were in OK Magazine, maybe. Got some pictures this week. And uh, I've had a baby. How was it? It was OK. <laughs> Yeah, not it wasn't a great baby. Well, it didn't go hello or anything. <laughs> oh, hiya. <laughs> um, but also George Banks is a dad again. Uh-huh. Our lovely friend George, who used to play um, Henry Newton bring on Coronation Henry. Street. Hashtag bring back Henry. <laughs> is now the father to two children. He had um, he had one child a couple of years ago and um, just um, a couple of weeks ago, his wife gave birth to another little sprog and um, he put a picture of himself looking very tired. <laughs> Carrying he's got great this, hair. Carrying this baby. He does look like he needs to go to the haircut. No. I said hair. he's got great hair and I wasn't being sarcastic. He does have great hair. He does have... He's got a lot of hair. He does. But, you know, if, you, if you've got a newborn baby, you haven't got time for going to the hairdressers. No, I don't think no. so. But, um, yeah, I've been, I've been, we, we, I talk to George quite a lot when he remembers to answer his texts. And, um, yes, Bitter. we've been following... He, he's not the... I mean, he, he does, he's not going to be listening to this at the moment. No. He, he, he would readily admit that he is not very good at answering using this podcast a bitch about your friend's lack of texting yes i am but um yeah so i've been i've been kind of following his his wife's pregnancy over the course of the last few months no i've just been i've been talking to him about how it's been going and everything i've been waiting and very excited to to hear about when this 
baby's going to be popping out. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to, to get up to go and see um, George and the, and the little one soon. Because I met his, I met his daughter last, was it last summer? I think it was. Lovely little kid. Um, sorry, Sam Aston. Congratulations to you as well. I'm sure your child is adorable. Gemma, mm-hmm. you know we had a cabin extra last week. Yes. You know we had a cabin extra the week before that. Okay. There's only going to be a flip another cabin extra at the end of this week's podcast as well. Yeah, because I've got More to tell you about my dream. big spoiler. <gasps> you have got your dream. <laughs> we should have that. We should could have had that at the beginning of the show. Is this news, Gemma's Corrie? Oh yeah, I shall tell you now. Tell us now because it's not feedback, is it? No, you can skip through this. You can you totally skip to this. You I had two Coronation Street related dreams. But the, the most interesting, maybe, this is interesting, I dreamt I was in a pub and a girl was having a really bad date with a man and she's saying to him oh um we we sh- i don't want to i don't want to hang out with you anymore i think you should leave and um he left and she was looking really sad so i went up to her and i was like oh um you're really brave don't worry about it uh, you're like good for you um you know sort of you go girl kind of thing she's mm-hmm. like oh i feel really bad can i can i hang out with you so i was like oh okay so i led her over to like where all my you you all my friends in real life were and we kind of hang out for for like quite a long time and as i was like hanging out with her i was like she's really great fun she's so much fun she's like a really good friend like i could be her friend like she gets me she's got the same sense of humor as me she's really good to hang out with i wonder if i could actually make a new friend <laughs> in the and pub in a re- in real life so i said to her like oh can i can i get your number do you want to like like maybe like go out for coffee sometime like i was dating her or something <laughs> and then you you said to me Gemma, can come over here for a minute and i was like what what and i've forgotten the name of the oh you said um that's lydia <laughs> lydia, lydia from coronation, from coronation street, street. So this the was, person... rebecca, was it rebecca ryan or was it lydia no it's lydia like <laughs> like she was tricking me the same way that she tricked sarah that's amazing so she was like befriending me for one of lydia's and scams. i was like oh no what should i do so i said i like What's the worst thing that can happen? So I gave her my number anyway, and then she started texting me pictures of dead bodies. What? <laughs> and then... She did seen the sort, And yeah. then I woke up. Nice. But that, I don't recommend befriending Lydia. No, no, she's um, the wrong one. Second Corrie dream. I don't remember the Very brief. One. I just dreamt that I was in a, a pizza place, <laughs> and it... You know those things that those plastic like dispensers that you can get cereal out of in a hotel where you sort of twist a button and like fruit. Oh yes, or I do remember this. Or cornflakes yeah. come out into your bowl. It was like that, but for pizza toppings. So you could get a really nice hot slice of pizza, and then for so- somehow when you turn the knob, <laughs> like hot pepperoni, like nice and crispy pepperoni, would come out onto your pizza. Why well, haven't they invented this? And and I just dreamt that me and Dr. Gaddis were eating pizza. <laughs> and she was, was like, date, she was like, um, um, um. <laughs> She's loving it. She had pepperoni and ham. She so had a dream about Lydia and Dr. Gaddas. None of the regular cast members. No, I haven't been in it for ages. I miss them, obviously. That's so funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. No. Gemma is the best person at remembering dreams. At remembering dreams. I never remember my dream. Very, very rarely. But you seem to remember every single one. And you have the most vivid, crazy, weird dreams. Like, most weeks you tell me at least one or two I funny dreams that you've involved. had. I do have very involved. But I have a theory that everybody has the same dreams but like there's a moment as you're waking up that your brain makes them into a story and some people are better at making stories out of nonsense and i think that's me 
Maybe it is, maybe it is, I don't know. Anyway, um, where did that come from? We've got a cabin extra later, so um, stay around to the very end of the podcast if you want to see that is. But yes, now we have got some feedback. So let's move to that. Okay, feedback time then. Thank you everybody for feeding back to us this week, sending in your emails and your tweets and your Instagram messages and your YouTube comments and everything. Um, We're going to start off, as we always do, with our Facebook poll about last week's episodes of Coronation Street, and that averaged 3.66 out of 5 last week, so pretty high scoring week. Um, Shauna gave it 4 Canadian Air Force toe touches out of 5. Jonathan um, voted four vegan croissants resembling lumps of poo out of five. <laughs> and um, Pat was my pick of the week, who this week gave last what? Well, who this week gave last week's Coronation Street episodes three and a half tennis balls in your backwards bra out of five. So thank you for those three and everybody else who voted on the poll this week. You can go to our Facebook group and find it. It's pinned to the top each week. Make your voice vote and your voice count. Gemma, would yep. you like to chip in? Because we're going to start off with some um, various feedbacks that we've had about Toya Imran and Abby's story. So um, do you want to read Fiona's comments out here first? Well, this is going to be based on last week's stuff rather than this week's. Yes, of course, as so always. So Fiona says um, she agrees with me. That's all I want to say. No. <laughs> Move on. She says, um, no one is going to come out of it smelling like roses, but I think Toya is the only person who has Alfie's welfare at heart. Abby and Imran are too caught up in getting sole custody and preventing the other from getting access to actually be thinking about Alfie. The court has already decided that Alfie won't be going home with Abby, which seems to have been completely forgotten about. The judge decided on this based on the fact that Abby isn't reliable as a parent. She's a recovering addict who recently relapsed. She would not be able to support herself financially and care for a child, and even with high levels of support, that would still be the case. Imran is a liar and has dubious morals, but all of his lying and dodging around has ensured that Alfie is cared for by him and Toya, rather than end up in the care system. He's able to provide the type of environment that will support, love and care for Alfie. Being a liar and a cheat doesn't make Imran a bad father, it makes him a bad partner slash husband. Toya is desperate and single-minded in her desire to become a mum, but she isn't saying that Abby can never see Alfie. Imran has. She has stopped Abby taking Alfie from the hospital, which is in Abby's best interest, rather than Toya's, and by offering to allow Abby more time with Alfie, she is acting as both a buffer to Imran's plan to keep Alfie and Abby apart, and acknowledging that Abby's presence in Alfie's life is a positive thing. Alfie living with Toya and Imran gives Abby the time and space to get herself sorted out, get clean, get more support and build herself a more secure base from which she can be a better mother to Alfie without any harm coming to him. I think Toya, as overall as she is, appreciates and understands that. Lots of children stay with their fathers when their mums are not able to cope. That is a far better option than allowing a child to go into the care system, which is where Alfie would be going were it not for Imran and Toya's intervention. That was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. That's what she said. Keep up the good work with the podcast. And Gemma, you argue with clarity and respect, so don't apologise for having the unpopular point of yeah, view. there we go, there we go. Well done. Thank you. I don't think we've got much to add to that, because I think Fiona's points pretty much mirror exactly what you said earlier on this episode and last week, don't they? Yes, thank you. Thank you for... I think you put that a lot more succinctly than I... I felt like I rambled in circles. Well, I think I think when you're when you're writing down an argument, it's easier you to can, you know, guess, yeah. take your time and you're not just making it up off the cuff like we are. But you still do do a very good job. 
I don't. Okay. Giving your opinions. Um, Adrian, on the other He's hand... He's got a different is, opinion. <laughs> yeah, is on the other side. But again, yeah. nicely argued, Adrian. Now, he says, Toya dumped Elsie back into the system because she was so sure that it was over for her and Imran. Then she got a whiff of a baby and she was all up for getting back together. Her attitude towards Abby has been disgusting and her manner horrendously patronising. Who is she to decide the kid's future and what access she'll allow him and Abby to have? Imran's been a complete trash throughout and as far as Bonds, he has an artificial notion of what having a kid is about. Toya is away with the fairies, and Abby is absolutely flooded with hormones, which evolution has provided to ensure mothers will protect their kids at all costs. Occasionally, Toya hesitates at things Imran says, so I'm not sure they aren't leaving the door open for her to realise it's a fantasy that she's living. But right now, I'm sickened by the pair of them. They might be that might be my opinion as an outsider, but Leanne has said the same, and Roy made it clear that he thinks that Abby is capable. What say ye, Gemma? <laughs> um, I think a lot of people have said this very similar things that who are on the kind of ab- pro Abby side, like they don't like the way that um, Toya and Imran are kind of high-handedly deciding what's better, what's best for for um, Alfie when uh, you know the mother who's Abby should be the one she that get decides well. what she gets to say, and mm. um, there's definitely a lot of sneaking around and. Um, do you think? Would you say that Toya is away with the fairies? I think that I think that some of what she has done has been through blind desire to have a baby at all costs. But I, I think, especially this week, she's come across as being a bit more reasonable. It'd be interesting to see what what Adrian says because I know that in the past Adrian has certainly been a fan of of Toya. Um, is she being written any more? Um, sympathetically this week for Adrian, I don't know. One bit that I would say that I disagree with with uh, is when he said that Toya dumped Elsie back into the system because she was sure it was over for her and Imran. As far as I remember, when she and Imran split up, when it came out that he, um, it was Abby that he'd been with, didn't she, she was originally going to say, well, Elsie, you can't live with me, but then didn't she then try to apply for sole custody of Elsie? But she was told, no, I don't think things are ready for you yet. But she still did burst in, you know, the bubble of that meeting, knowing full well that there could be negative consequences, and she did that's, anyway. That's very, very true, actually. And I really yeah. am disappointed with her for doing that, and I think that's another one of those things, though, where <laughs> you and I have both talked about this before, where we're like, that's just the writers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's which is a bit of a cop-out, isn't it, really? You know, if you're an Abby fan, well, I'm an Abby fan, too. Yeah, and yeah, so, that's you know, thing, yeah. Um, the whole drugs binge was the writers making her have a drugs binge so that, you know, it, there could be a dilemma about what happens with Alfie and make her look. Mm. Because she had been really, you know, really good. But just like Peter Barlow, um, there's always that issue of you're at any moment you feel like they could lapse mm. and would you give Peter a newborn baby? He couldn't even look after his own kid to be fair, could he? He was a terrible father to Simon for most of his childhood. Like, maybe I would now, but would I have given it to him, Yeah. you know, a year, two years ago? I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just I just think that that was a bit harsh on Toya regarding um, Elsie. But that, it is weird that she's not mentioned Elsie again, but, you know, that's just the way it is. Maybe she's mentioned her on the the bits that the camera aren't on her or something. Because <laughs> she, she was really upset for Elsie to go. I know, I felt really bad for her. and I th- But a lot of people have pointed that out about, you know, Elsie kind of got a really raw deal here. Mm. And it does feel a bit like 
um, you know, the way the story has been written, it, they've gone from child to child where, you know, one one becomes inconvenient, it kind of gets sacrificed for the next. Yeah, exactly, because that's why Kelly had to move out, didn't yeah, she? Because then, she couldn't be there with Elsie at the same time. Very unfortunate. Why well, well, she couldn't move back in, I mean. But, you know, again, this is the, this is the thing mm. <laughs> where you try to think of as many excuses as you can for why your favourite character or the character exactly, you've picked, exactly. the point of view, why they've done it that way. Mm. Do you want to read these ones out? This is from Tasnia, who has also got something to say in the pro-Toya camp. Um, and we would read out anything that people said that was pro-Abby, but we haven't had anything else. No, I mean, even but, Adrian's comment we, we pinched from Facebook, didn't we? But there we? have been lots of... Obviously, there have been loads and loads of comments on Facebook and loads of comments on Twitter, like pro-Abby, anti-Toro and Imran, but I don't know if I'm, like, scaring people. Um, <laughs> no, people know that they can email in. It's fine, honestly. But again, like, you... But I, what you did with Adrian's... Um, I didn't want to do that, like, argue against it, because the, nobody, he's not here to argue back to say, actually, no, I didn't mean oh, it that way. Oh, I need way. to take me in an argument, I know. he definitely could, but that's what <laughs> I mean. Like, we have a power, we have the power here that we're, we're the ones that are doing the podcast. So I don't, when somebody writes in and they say something that is not what I think, I don't want to sit here and rip it apart because it's not fair. No, I get it, I get it. Okay, so that's what I'm just saying. Um, right, so this Tasnia's, um written, uh, I wanted to email you to let you know you aren't alone with your thoughts on Abby and Imran. I emailed a couple of weeks ago about Abby and I still haven't changed my mind. The people who are still being civil with, um, being, being civil with Im- Toya and Imran seem to be logical. They keep reminding them that Abby is still his mum and they shouldn't cut her out. But the Abby supporters are completely lost. They're oblivious and ignore Abby's downfalls and are behaving like Abby is perfect. And it seems like no one even cares about the father. This is in show, obviously. Mm. Never mind the fact that the two of Abby's supporters, Roy and Kevin, have lied to the police to save her skin. And no one else actually knows about the gun or what she did to Roy- Ray's car. Imagine if they did. Now that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one, yeah, like, um, like Fiona says, no one's coming out of this. One of the bruises. Um, imagine, imagine that at that scene where El- uh, Abby blows up Ray's car and the, the, the explosion in the background and she's laughing her head off walking towards the camera and then there's a beat and then she runs back and is like, oh, I left the baby in the car, but yeah, I knew I forgot something. <laughs> oh, <crap. laughs> um, she says, the issue with Abby isn't just her drug use, but also the fact that she is always getting into all sorts of trouble and drags other people down with her. She just needs to grow up. Imran is an idiot and he really didn't need to do any of that stuff with Ben, but he's still better than Abby. But I do feel like Abby will get Alfie back. And I also predict that once Toya finds out about Imran's lies, she'll leave the street. That's it. Yes, that is it. That's the end of that. I hope that Toya doesn't leave the street. You better I mean, not do. I can certainly imagine the story ending with Toya going somewhere else because she's... Her story since she came back has been the pursuit of a child. Mm. And that's basically been her focus. But the thing is, it does feel like she's doing it the most excruciatingly painful way. And, like, there are other ways of, you know, she could adopt. She could do a private adoption or something like that. I just want to see her happy with a baby in the end of all of this. Bring Elsie back or something. I just can't help but feel like people have this weird perverse hatred of a woman who wants a baby who can't have one like I don't don't know where it comes from I don't know what it is but I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that this is what everybody who supports Abby or dislikes Toya thinks but there's certainly some weird 
anti kind of barren woman. There's always been an undercurrent of it as well in Coronation Street. They've where had lots of characters making fun of other characters or and like not being you, able to have like, babies. Yeah, but also that that those characters have always been depicted as slightly unhinged and untrustworthy in in a way. Well, who have we had like Karen? Like, you know, and um, Becky. Yeah, yeah, that's. Was like, Becky? Oh yeah, yeah, she yeah, was, she could have yeah. like, and they've been buying kids left, right, and centre. Yeah, yeah. And there've been other, you know, there've been other fake. Oh, what a... <laughs> well, I mean, Izzy, Izzy with Tina. Mm. There's, there's been like this. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's like an unfortunate artifact of creating drama from a, you know, a, an un- infertile woman who wants a child, which is very kind of universally understood and very traumatic uh, position to be in. But unfortunately, the, the drama that comes from that does seem to be quite negative towards the person who's experiencing this anguish. Mm, mm. Um, right, let's move on to different topics and just have some general summing up of last week's Coronation Street from um, some of the regulars. So we've got Rebecca who says to start off with, I'm feeling for all three parties in the Alfie story. Toya, I really want to have Alfie as she deserves a child so much. But Abby also deserves to see him too as she is keeping to her word at the moment. However, I do agree that she could slip up like she kind of did with trying to kidnap Alfie. At the moment, I feel that Toya and Imran are the right people to have Alfie. But in the end, I have a gut feeling Abby will end up with him due to Imran's naughtiness. I, I think, think I agree with pre- that. Yeah. It's, it seems almost, like it's a foregone conclusion. Almost everybody maybe. agrees that um, that's what's going to happen yeah. in the end. That's they're, why they're, certainly, guess... they're certainly tugging the, on the old heartstrings and getting the violins out for Abby at every opportune moment. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed Toya and Imran's wedding, says Rebecca, although I repeat what I said in the last email, it's doomed, isn't it? I did like Kelly being there too, and the look between Abby and Kevin was just a supportive look. I didn't read anything into it. I'm wondering if Abby will now channel her anger in trying to frame Imran or look for evidence to prove he's being naughty. I'm also intrigued by the stew, in stew, although I really hope he hasn't done anything too bad. Oh God, did we we cut out? Oh no, we didn't. What? Well, I suggested that Stu was a child molester. I think we kept that in last week. Because I possibly. said it twice. I said it once and I said it in like one week and I was like, <laughs> cut that out because I was getting a bit too enthusiastic about it. And then the next week I was like, stuff it. I actually think this Just is a good it. theory. <laughs> <laughs> I sympathise with Yasmin, says Rebecca, and she was right to throw Stu out first time. But if she finds out he's been in prison, she's going to feel lied to again. Oh, God. Just when she's starting to feel happy yeah. again. Oh, why didn't you tell me? Get out of my house. Next oh, episode. Oh, I'm so back. sorry. I believe in, in you know yeah, what the, you know forgiveness. What you have served your time. Come back. I need the rent money. <laughs> yeah. Still loving Ken and Stu's friendship. I love the Dr. Thorne story, and he's brilliant as a mini villain. I also like the storyline and I think he will get a slap on the wrist too and continue to make Abby's life, Aggie's life a misery. Aggie's also been great and I love the scene where she confronted him. I'm glad they haven't forgotten about Peter's liver transplant either. As much as I sympathise with Faye, I don't really need another medical issue story at the moment. I did think Craig was going to propose though to prove his love, which would have been really cute. I also think this might be a way back for Miley or at least Faye gets back in touch with her. I liked him saying he was going to rearrange his appointment and hopefully that's the end of the story. <laughs> oh, no. Rebecca. No, no, no. We all wish. Um, glad that Steve's now made up with Jacob. Not much to say about that, though. I all agree Todd being disgusted about his mum's sex life was funny and enjoyed the nighttime scenes at number 11 and Todd telling George to shut up. Finally, the Kirk story wasn't really needed, but hopefully next week we'll end the story when Carla and Sarah tell him he can't work in sales anymore and he has to go back to packing. 
Yeah, that kind of what happened, wasn't it? <laughs> Character of the week, controversially, but Abby, because what? I really enjoyed Sally's acting, although I loved Aggie this week too, and an honourable mention to Dr. Thorne. I give it three and a half times, Shona's mouth felt like it's been licking a camel's back out of five. Thank you very much. Rebecca, Gemma, over to you. Nancy says, Toya and Imran's wedding was beautiful. I was hoping there would be a huge crowd, but other than that, it was wonderful. I wish Imran had hired a solicitor to represent him at the hearing. Toya has been the voice of reason this week. When Abby drove off with Toya, it reminded me of the hilltop scene with Kyla and Tracy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tracy admitted she started the fire. I started thinking about why does the story need to make everyone (laughs) bad? It is about a child and a child's needs. Toya was wonderful, the way she stopped Abby from running off with Alfie. The last scene with him around looking for that teddy bear was moving. Sally needs to speak with Abby. See, there was another bit today where Abby was like fondling the teddy bear and like like playing with his head and stuff and I suddenly thought like what is there is there something in there is there really yeah. well, we and said last minute, week did Imran plant like, drugs in there and, Imran, and I was like no Abby's way Abby's there snorting this teddy bear going, something oh, about this teddy bear oh, I really yeah, I like <laughs> Nancy says I love Amy's comments to David it was wonderful to see Eileen and George getting closer Underworld needs to get back to being a business with a purpose. Aggie took a huge risk this week to expose Mr. Thorne. There is no doubt Peter will be involved. I love the way Aggie's comments, everyone deserves a second chance, began the end of Friday's episode. I give this week's episode three and a half air horns out of five. The character of the week is Toya, with a shout out to Aggie. Thank you very much, Nancy, and to everybody who emailed us this week. And I'd also like to give an extra big doubly thank you thanks to um, some patrons because I forgot to read your names out on last week's podcast. So we've got Molly, who has returned as a patron um, uh, after not being one for a little while. Thank you very much for coming back to us. And we also have the um, fantastically named Cans Tuna Fish, who is a new patron to Conversation Street as well. Now, we have received this week our job lot of conversation. Conversation Street bottles, haven't we? Oh, they're so exciting. Members. They came we've on got, Wednesday. We've got two massive boxes yep. full of them. Yeah. And um, they're all ready to ship out. Now, we're not going to be able to get them all out to everyone straight away because obviously a bit big and heavy. They're going to cost a, a little bit to, to ship out to everybody. So um, over the course of the next few months, I don't know how many months that few months is, we'll get them out to people while we can. So we've got lots of people that will be receiving a bottle. If you haven't got your bottle um, you know, soon. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. We just can't get them out to everyone at once. But hopefully, next week We're or getting... the week after, people will start to receive theirs. What you mean to say is that we are working as hard as we can we to make sure are. that you get them as soon as we possibly can get them to you. And um, don't panic if they don't if they don't sort of turn up immediately. They are on their way to you. That's what I said. Did I not say it as well? You can tell me later what I said wrong. You didn't <laughs> but, say anything wrong. But they're great. I cannot wait to get them into everybody's hands. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all our lovely patrons. And um, that is it for the feedback section of the podcast. We did say we had a cabin extra coming up, probably just a bit of a short one. But if you don't want to know what the spoiler is that we're going to be talking about, I highly suggest you turn off the podcast right now. So um, Gemma, are you ready for a little bit of cabin extra? Oh god, that scared the life out of me. That's our cabin extra theme there, everybody. It's just the, the toilet of... flushing. Amazing. It's not the toilet flushing, you maniac. It's just the plumbing. <laughs> okay. By the way, can I just say, just because we mentioned something in the cabin extra, it doesn't mean that people can start posting about it on our Facebook group because that is still very spoilery. This is this is going to be spoilery now. The Facebook group is still one hundred percent spoiler free, so please 
any of these cabin extras that we've had recently about characters returning, don't mention them when you go on the Facebook. Thank you very much. The golden rule, the test is, has it appeared on the screen in the UK? If it hasn't, it's a spoiler. Don't put it on the Facebook group, everybody. But right, who have we got back this week, Gemma? It is Wendy Crozier. That's not a name. Wendy Papadopoulos. That's not a name. Wendy Flamin Crozier slash Papadopoulos <laughs> is coming back to Coronation Street this summer. What a now, strange nobody. Actually, right. nobody saw this one coming. No. Spider, we thought, maybe. Um, well, you then, predicted it. You yeah, were you were gunning yeah, for I, it. I was dead on with Spider this this week. And then we also also had... Who, who's the other one that's coming? Oh, yeah, Stephen Reed. That was another out-of-nowhere one. But um, Wendy coming back, absolutely nobody thought we'd be seeing um, well, Roberta Care back on the show again. But there we go. It really does feel like they have a, <laughs> a board somewhere that they're just throwing a dart at mm. not that i'm sad about any of these i think these are all really intriguing and i oh, yeah, cannot definitely. wait to see how they turn out um and don't mean to sound like um dismissing the potential for the stories it's just so out of left field yeah it feels completely random i mean it felt random back in 2012 when she came back didn't she so this was on the very early days of our podcast and i'm thinking you know within months of conversation street starting wendy came back in and there was the story where she was she's like on the governor's board at the school yeah. that ken was Bloody on governors. and um she ended up trying to seduce him away but um he ended up staying with deirdre so i guess the drama now is going to be there is no Deirdre here. There's obviously no, well, there's, there's no significant other and there hasn't been since um, Claudia. So is Wendy going to try one last time for a shot at Ken just to rekindle some of that? Rekindle! rekindle. <laughs> nice, I didn't even mean to say <laughs> Write that. Write that down, that's your some story. Some of then. that 1989 romance. So anyone who um, hasn't been watching Coronation Street for too long and is still listening now, Wendy Crozier was somebody who worked with Ken back in the late 80s, early 90s. And um, he had an affair with her. And this is why he um, ended up first splitting with Deirdre back then. Um, and then, yeah, she came back again 10 years ago. And now she's going to be back again. So really, really interested to um, see how this goes. I think, I don't know, I, I definitely Spider is my most favourite and most looked forward to comeback by quite a wide margin. I assume that's the same with you. Who, yeah. who are you looking forward to most out of Wendy and um, Stephen? I don't know. I think maybe Wendy because I'm worried about Audrey with Stephen. I think he might come back because she's died or... I don't think they're killing off Audrey. They I better do... not do. She's I... still a spring chicken. Both, both of these two, and, and, and it, interestingly, neither... Um, Wendy nor Stevens' returns have been officially confirmed by um, ITV, but you know when these things, it's pretty clear that this is going to be happening. It's not like it? they had a wandering through the street clip like no. Spider did. No, you don't have. Maybe the Sun's got their dartboard with random characters yeah, on this. So who should we start a rumor about this month? But maybe, no, I, I think maybe their is, agents think this is going to happen. I think I'm probably more excited about Wendy's as well, although. Stephen could op open up opportunities for more of a plat-centred storyline, which the show certainly in need of at the moment. Um, I don't think that he as a character is particularly interesting. Although there, mean, there isn't a whole lot of meat to Wendy's character as well. But um, if you think back to like iconic affair storylines of Coronation Street, then Wendy Flaming Crozier is a name that you know, everybody's heard of. I wouldn't say that everyone's heard of Stephen. And it just kind of conjures up images of um, golden era of Coronation Street. And, and obviously it's a Ken story, which is amazing that he could still 
carry storylines. He certainly can. So the source that spoke to The Sun, which is where this article came from, says, uh, Wendy was run out of the cobbles by Ken 10 years ago after she tried to rekindle their affair and she stayed away. But this summer she will make a comeback as a social worker involved with another street resident and end up bumping into her old flame. Has Wendy changed or will she want to get her claws back into Ken? What do you think? I mean, do you, do you think she's going to get her claws back into him? Will she try or will he just try for a pop at her? And she's like, no, I'm not interested. You're rejecting me. That would be an interesting one. I don't think he'd, I don't think he'd be bothered. I'm really... I, uh, I, I th- so this this social work. So she's going to be she's a social worker. She's going to be a social worker, worker for somebody. she's going to be involved somebody. with Alfie? Could be. She could be related to the whole, um, you know, in the, in the foster system, maybe. Mm. Why, why else do you need a social worker? Don't really know. Well, maybe she can help Kevin learn how to wash his pants. <laughs> um, maybe she, maybe she's like, yeah, gonna help um, prize the air horn out of Kirk's claws. Maybe, maybe. Um, I don't, I don't see this. She's as got being... to get back with Ken, otherwise, what's the point of Wendy being back on the show? Her, I hope, I hope her they romantic have an illicit kiss. With with Ken is the point of Wendy Crozier. I, I think that they should give them a kiss just to make everyone go, whoa. They're, they're not going to be... stay together. I don't no. see this as being a permanent return at all. Same with Stephen Reed. Spider possibly could be more permanent. But um, there's certainly... I, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where they go with this. Because I like Ken. I like Ken's storylines. Yeah. Um, right, so if anyone's got any theories about that, you can always send them in if you want to. We won't read them out in the podcast because it is a spoiler. But um, we'd love to hear what you think. If you'd like to contact us about that, or indeed anything Coronation Street related, you can email us at <laughs> conversationstreet at gmail.com. Tell us your Coronation Street dreams. Yes, if you, that'd be amazing. Um, you could go to, <laughs> are they even crazier than Gemma's? Or do they involve any... <laughs> More less important characters than Gemma's. What was the um? Anyone had a dream with Durkin? What was the name of the? Dirk is very important, by the way. What was the name of the of the show that um that was it called the games? Yeah, the show with the yeah the Olympics thing. Yeah, the Olympics thing. When I woke yeah. up this morning, I had a phrase in my brain, mm-hmm. and it was. There isn't a useful day on this planet that involves the games. <laughs> so that's another dream that I had that's Coronation Street related. I guess it is. And I don't know why I, why I was being so snarky in my dreams because I'm you just, you, snarky you're not all a the fan time. Of I don't need to. Pro- program. Okay, um, what else so can I people do? I just want to give everybody that phrase. Use that phrase. There isn't a useful day on, on the planet Earth that involves... Whatever. Um... We haven't, had, a, we haven't had an iTunes review for quite a while. So if you would like to give us a five-star review on iTunes... Two stars. Don't want to hear splendid. about boring dreams. Please get on there and, and give us a review and write some lovely things about the show. One star. We work very hard for really this. And we've got nearly ten years. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, loads of other places stars, like she that. She interrupting her husband. Shut up! Trying to end the podcast, Gemma. That is it. Our first main episode of Conversation Street recorded in our new side room podcasting studio extraordinaire. We will get some photos out when we can get some um, nice bits of artwork or whatever on our board. But I found the picture of us in the Rovers. That's the most important thing. We have that's going to go out there for sure. That is it. I hope you all I have also a. Found a hilarious um, lobster mold. Oh the yeah, Barlows. you did find a Deirdre's lobster mold, didn't you? Yeah, like, we're gonna get that. Are we? It's like forty-seven pounds mm, from not Korea. Worth it. Not like worth half it. of that is taxes. Uh, 
Don't fancy it, but that would be it could be quite good. I could make everybody cheaper. a jolly little lobster in aspic. Yes, you could. Couldn't I? Hilda would I'm love done. it. Have a good weekend, everybody. If Eurovision. you're watching Eurovision, we'll be watching it too. Um, Text me what you think. I don't know your number. Just write any number in. I'll get it. <laughs> um, and that's, that's it. it. So we'll be back with next week. We have got um, got two podcasts as per usual next week. But um, this time next week, we'll be talking about next week's Coronation Street. I'm just rambling, so I'm going to end it there. Goodbye, everybody. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com.